So Dewey, I um, saw this thing online. It's called uh, Halo Neuro. And basically what it is, it's a set of headphones that you wear for 20 minutes at a time. And there's these little electrodes that are built into the actual part that goes over the top of your head that send tiny microelectronic sort of um, charges into your brain. And it rewires the pathways in your brain and allows you to learn things faster than you would normally learn. Holy shit. Uh, can you get one? Everyone out there, Christmas is coming up. My birthday is January 6th. Please buy me one because this brain needs help. <laughs> so I, I'm fascinated by it because, like, you know, I thought, like, what about jujitsu? And a lot of people had been commenting on it and saying, um, you know, could I use this for jujitsu? And the people that, that have the product were like, yeah, it's really, a lot of wrestlers have used it. Um, a lot of pro golfers have used it. And um, people learning to play uh, the piano or the guitar have used it. And everyone swears by it. It's not a miracle cure. It's not like, you know, that movie with... Um, Matrix. <laughs> yeah, no, the other guy that took the pill and then he was like, you know, yeah, Limitless. Reeves. Oh, Limitless. Oh, oh yeah. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. where he was like a genius all of a sudden. It's, it's not like that. I th it's like basically helping you learn by shortening the sort of uh, electronic signals. Hmm. And it sounds kind of crazy, but it, I'm fascinated by this thing. So I'm going to buy How much it. is it? How much is it? $325 with their discount. Ooh. So they're good headphones besides yeah. the fact that they're shocking you. Right. So I like that. They're not actually literally shocking you. But I'm going to buy, I, I'm, I, I think I'm going to get them and then I'm going to do a review on them. Okay. Anything uh, to improve any, my jiu-jitsu? Yeah, any scientific research review? Tons. So there was, no, no, I'm talking sci scientific data from scientists to review, you know, re whatever, and, and kind of write uh, a review about it. Has that been done? So the, the whole process, the idea of it is not new. It's been done before. It's just the first time it's kind of been put into commercially available headphones because the part of your brain that is being targeted is between your ears across the top of your head. So it's in the perfect place for headphones that play music mm. and you only wear them for 20 minutes and you do it while you're warming up. And then for the next hour after that, you are way more receptive to learning. Sick. And remembering. So I'm like, like, and also relearning. So I'm going through my midlife crisis. I've started skateboarding again. Yeah, this is new. You didn't tell me this. <laughs> so there's relearning to skate, right? So that I'm like, okay, well, what, what, like, that's a cool experiment. I like to experiment with like, with yeah. weird shit like this. All right. Then there's the jujitsu side of it. Okay, so like, can it help me retain things from jujitsu? Right. And then learning, I'm learning Final Cut Pro and everything else to do with video editing. Right. So maybe there's things there, you know? Mm. I think as we get older, like, it gets harder to retain information. Danine, is that true? I would say, yeah, I think everything slows down. Yeah, for me, I mean, definitely. Processing. I, I, yeah. yeah, for me, for sure. Either that or we're so busy or we're impatient as we get older, which I know I am. I get, I get distracted really easily. Um, so anyway, so totally sidetracked, but Halo Neuro, it's online. It's, uh, just Google it. It's a freaking insane. It, it's, like, it's, it's kind of crazy. And I want to do a video review and a one, because it's got a 30-day return policy. And so I'm going to post it for every single days. thing that you do online on my Facebook and Instagram. <laughs> I'm going to be the spy. I'm going to be that guy. I go, you know what? 
He's so is the results instantaneous? Yeah. No, no, no. So it builds up over. So they, they reckon it takes like two to three weeks to kind of to start to feel a difference. Okay, so I'm, I wasn't. I'm kind of joking about the return thing after a month, but I'm just curious to see how it all works, and then do the review, and then if it does work, then kind of get other people onto it. You mm -hmm. know, because I think for jujitsu, you know, because it's a repetitive thing, we have to keep repeating the moves to remember them. I think that'd be really cool, um, but it is not a um, Miracle cure. Right, right. All I want to do is pass AJ guard. <laughs> <laughs> Once you do that, then you're good. You're like, okay, and I'll this return thing works. it for my full refund. Yeah, that's all I want to do. That's awesome. Yeah, Gotta have a once. goal. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Never too old to have a goal. You know, it's funny. Um, today, um, when did Uncle George podcast posted? Two days ago. No, Monday. that po posted Monday. Um, Monday. on Monday. Yeah, okay, today's Wednesday, so I got to listen to it. And then um, I went to help Clifton mom move some, some furniture. Um, and then I was kind of reflecting the last two or three guests that we had. And there's a common denominator that has to do with their father. Unbelievable. And you know what's even better, um, Janine? If you haven't seen the, back in the 90s where Kelly Slater, Shane Dorian, and Rost, Williams and uh, all these young guys, like the emerging new schoolers. So in jujitsu, they'll be like the half Mendes brothers. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're like the young guard. They're doing amazing thing on the waves. And Taylor Steele was a movie maker, and he made a movie called Momentum. Mm -hmm. And thirty years later, um, they they came out number two. Wow! And it just released on HBO. If you haven't seen it, please go see it. Um, so I was listening to Kelly Slater. Uh, Rob Machado, like all these guys, right? Shane Dorian, Kalani Rob, all of them had the same thing. Father was abusive or absent father. There was missing some, a father, a male role model hmm. in their life. And they took that hurt or the whatever that is, they channel it into one thing. And for these guys, surfing, and become the best of the best. And we listen to Uncle George. Right, you listen to Jamie Sterling, who's number one biggest wave surfer. I think it's 2011. The guy rides seven and eight story high waves, didn't he? That's what he does for wow. a living, right? So there was a common theme. And then two days ago, actually yesterday, we're sitting here, we're talking with RG and Kyle, and th the subject was, how do we get here as a society? How do we get to this place that's so consumptuous mm -hmm. and so shallow and so many things, right? And then, so we talk about what causes, right? Like what, what, did, what happened to our country in 1930s and 40s and 50s? And um, there's a massive shift, right? So one thing I told them, and I share my view is, you know, I, I just see the consistency of hurt humans hurt others. Mm -hmm. And most hurt human I define as pe men or women or boys or girls lack self-esteem don't feel good enough about who you are and part of this because again you know they were abused or you know they they, uh, they had an absentee father and then they go and repeat the cycle and cycle and cycle I, I mean I agree there's there I mean there's no one factor 
Yeah. But I'm sure that's one of the big ones. There's always yeah. those. There's a few of them out there. Um, I think technology has a lot to do with it. Talk about TV. Yeah. And, and it's just not that. I mean, you know, just all the kids being on their phone, um, Facebook, social media, like anything, there's going to be all these good things you can do with it. But there's also the other side. Yeah. And everybody feels they can be someone they're not on Facebook and they forget who they are and they want to become this person and they forget how to just interact with humans and social. They, they can be the person they want to be, but they never learn how to be that person in real life. Mm. You know, so there's a lot of that going on, I think. But D, remember, radio came on and that changed the world. Mm -hmm. And then came television. Right. So, but you take a look at the program that was being played. And I, when you and I grew up to what? Happy days. Mash, Absolutely. Combat. <laughs> Laverne and Shirley. <laughs> yeah. You know, all these phenomena. We, like, it makes you feel good inside. You love it. It's good. And look at the TV today. Right. So, so, so somewhere it went wrong. Right. So, so, man, I, we can get into this because it's one of my passions <laughs> is like understanding what went wrong. So, therefore, we can help recreate a new beginnings. You know, so that's. That's the reason why I could coexist, and that's why I did everything that I've done in the last so many years to be here and doing this, you know. And anyway, so before we get into this shit, <laughs> <laughs> this has nothing to do with what you and I were going to talk about tonight. <laughs> but hey, you never know. I, uh, this this what I love. We're about. just here to chat. <laughs> yeah, what I love about life is, you know, it's unpredictable. And Kiko is ADD to the max. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brad, take us in. Go. Welcome to Kakoa Collective's Mindful Living Podcast, episode number nine. And tonight's very special guest is a black belt jiu-jitsu owner of a jiu-jitsu school here in Hawaii, Dainin, and I'm going to mess up your last name, Deshevsky? Dainin Deshevsky. Dainin Deshevsky. There yes. we go. All mm -hmm. right, cool. Well, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Really happy to be here with you guys. Wow. Okay. Um beginning of the show normally we kind of kind of get the nine not the four one one on you so for the people out there in the in the interweb and podcast world kind of get to know who you are uh, and then so with further ado big d i call you d so um pretend you're like you know uh old school what what that what the dating game you know they have Oh, I have a certain amount of time to try yeah, to yeah, sell yeah, myself? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, this podcast is, can go as long as you want, but any <laughs> intentions you want to put out there. Our job here is to help my love. Uh, okay. Our job here is whatever that is, whoever sits in this mic every week, our job is trying to rally our crew, our family out there, and support whatever that is. You know? And in return, hopefully we'll leave something good for the ears and hearts and soul. Sounds good yeah, to so me. So that's, that's the deal. So go. Okay. Well, I was born and raised in Nanakuli. My mom still lives out there. Um, and basically did all kinds of things. I am a serial entrepreneur since I was a child. All kinds of businesses. I've been an inventor. I've created products. Um, but uh, 20 years ago, I started jujitsu And I don't know what happened. I've never done anything <laughs> in my life. I mean, I'm one of those people that I get bored of jobs. I get bored of relationships. I get bored easy, and I never stick with anything. And jujitsu is the only thing that I actually did. And the only thing in my life longer than that is my kids. Right. But I started shortly after I got divorced. So, um, Wow. Yeah. Okay, okay. Before we get into that, you're yeah. like, you skipped the whole intro. Like, oh, I'm like, okay. the, like the meat and potato of the dean. You're like, it's good. What you like number one? Okay. What, what, you know, how many brother and sister, mom oh, and dad, okay. and all that, and and 
What's it like growing up in Nanakuli? You know, oh, yeah, okay. like I would like to know your fondest memory, childhood. You know, okay, that kind of thing. Very good. Well, um, mom and dad, um, you know, Filipino German uh, background. Actually, I'm a lot of nationalities: Filipino, Chinese, German, Scotch, French, Dutch, Irish, Spanish, Indian, and English. Wow. I did my DNA, and it was actually accurate. I was shocked. I just tell people my mother was a tourist. Oh you know? my God, <laughs> your mom! That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> but believe it or not, I grew up with there's seven siblings, so I have six brothers and sisters, and three half brothers and a half sister on top of that so wait 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 six real blood same mom yes. same dad five girls two boys i'm the third oldest so five girls two boys. wow yeah i have six in my clan i thought it was big you beat me <laughs> and the three half brothers and a half sister oh, my dad remarried so wow. even bigger yet so i'd like to meet this man holy crap nine kids uh, what does he own the bank or something? How to support nine kids? He's Filipino. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Need I say more? <laughs> okay. But um, yeah, I mean, I you know we grew up in Nanakuli, and I think I was about maybe nine when my mom and dad got divorced, and um, you know so. Early on, because we had so many kids, I became very, um, if I wanted something, and we didn't have a lot of money when my mom died divorced, you know, there's a while we were on welfare and, and you know, um, we didn't have much. And, you know, seven kids, you know, you, you're very limited. So very early on, I learned if I want something, I have to go get it myself. Yeah. So when it was Christmas and I wanted money to buy presents or things for my friends, I would do cookie stands in front of the house. Okay, how old were you? Your first, okay, your first business, how much my money first, did you make? Well, my first entrepreneurial sale yeah. was when I was about two or three, about three years old. <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not. I tell this on my biz kids all the time. Yeah, wow. And, you know, it's funny because a lot of who we are as adults, and this is why I love working with kids because I can see it. Who we are as adults is a culmination of who we were as children. So oh, sometimes absolutely. you can look at kids and tell what kind of adult they're going to become. And so when I was, um, we lived in this little cul-de-sac, this little duplex with one yard. We all shared this yard. It was fenced in. And the neighbor who lived across had a little lime tree in the back of her house. And, you know, these tiny little unripened limes yeah, on the yeah. tree. I would go pick them. And then I knock on the doors of the neighbors and sell them for a nickel. Did you tell your neighbor that you were picking well, her well, lines? Well, here's the thing, and this is where my psyche came up, and I noticed it as an adult. I would sell it for a nickel, and she would buy me it and give me it because I was so cute, right? <laughs> she thought it was adorable, so she gave me a nickel. I ran home, and I said, Mommy, 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 look what I got. And I showed her what I got, and I said, I sold a line for a nickel. She goes, you take that back right now. And then all of a sudden, my energy went from totally excited to totally like I did something wrong. And I was being punished. And so I walk back across the street or across the yard and I give back the, um, I'm not going to do it. I said, my mom says to give you this back. And she goes, no, that's okay. You can keep it. And then I got all excited again. So I look at that one experience at yeah. three years old and I see myself as an entrepreneur throughout my years. And every time I get to the point where I start to do really well and make money, I do something to sabotage it because I don't believe it's right to make money. Wow. And then I get excited again about making money. And right when I start to do really good, I do something to sabotage and I start going back. Have you and solved that issue yet? If I, you don't, I'll be happy to <laughs> hold on to the money <laughs> while it's piling up. And then later on, when you resolve your shit, okay, come you and see me. you can save it for my retirement. <laughs> uh, you and I are never going to retire. You know that. That's and I true. know that. That's yeah. true. It's, it's, get out of here. We can't lie to ourselves. You know that. Right. That's true. Yeah. But, but that really made me analyze because I work with kids so much how things that happened to us as a child 
really influences us. We're so influential as a child. So a lot of what happens under a certain age starts to reshape or shape the person we're going to become, you know, and how we think and how we process information, you know, so. I think it's the same as trauma, right? So same thing. Absolutely. Some of these things, for some darn reason uh, of mine, I wish I know, I wish we have a scientist here, and we kind of almost take that snapshot and we take it with us forever, you know. Trauma, I call it ghosts. We carry these unconscious ghosts with us all the time. Right. Until one day we become awakened and, oh, we turn on the lights and we become enlightened and all the ghosts vanish. You know, ghosts, they hate light, right? Right, right. right. <laughs> Love the dark, but hate the light. Right. So, so your fondest memory would be what? Starting business, selling yeah. limes, that kind you of know, thing. Do, doing little businesses. Um, yeah. We used to put on shows for the neighbors and charge them 50 cents to come watch our shows. And we used to make up songs and wow. skits and right. and everything. And, you know, it was all my life. It's yeah. just not, not my brothers and sisters, but it's almost as I, that was what I was born to do. I'm, yeah. I'm kind of following what my instincts are telling me. And I'm always looking ways to try new things and do new things. Um, you know, every time I was in the brownies or the Girl Scouts, I would win, I would win every contest for selling calendars or brownies or or something cookies you know i was just something about that excited me you know the process of of going out and talking to people and selling something and convincing them to to support you you know i thought that was really cool wow so when you turned 16 what was your first job first legal job my first legal job is when i was 15 maybe it was 16 um because i worked for the junior leader as a you know for summer fun programs when i was like 13 yeah. and 14 yeah but my first real job was Hartfields in Wainai mall and uh, that was like a clothing store they don't long they don't exist anymore but then i moved next door to kinney shoes and that's when i really started learning yeah. about business yeah, so yeah those guys those guys commission based and you can yeah. make a lot of money selling shoes yeah well yeah. you know it, it, it's where i learned a lot about sales and working with people and getting you know you get into their feet you got to get real intimate right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know and then when i graduated high school i went to footlocker and mm. I went, worked at the Alamoana store, which was the biggest store. In the country. Yep. And I became the assistant manager there. And then I opened up the Windward Mall store when Windward Mall just opened up. So I was with them for a few years. Because wow. Kenny Shoes owns Foot Locker. Right, right. So, yeah. So they're all connected. Played sports in high school? Were you... Anything you would, anything you would, you found I, your passion yet then? Or you not know, really? I wasn't really into sports. I was a majorette for a little while with okay. batons. I was a cheerleader for a little while. Yeah. But I, the thing I really drawn to and because i'm so unique and different right i was actually the football and basketball statistician so i was in the (laughs) locker room at games with the coaches and like yelling at the guys come on we got to do this and stop (laughs) playing around and you know and i was on the field with the coaches walking back and forth and taking all the stats and you know i thought that was pretty cool did did, was any like major kind of um i would say programming for mom growing up or dad for that matter Uh, like was there any from my mom or yeah, my or dad? Yeah, yeah. It was like, you know, for me, it was like, go to school, you know, good grades and all that. Was yeah. any, what, what was the instruction? What was the propaganda? Well, you know, you talked earlier about the dads. Yeah, yeah. So m- my issues weren't anything about abuse, but I had issues that really carried over into my adulthood mm. um, with my dad. Um, and we get along great now, don't get me wrong, but we had seven kids. Mm-hmm. And I was always like the black sheep of the family. Right. So no matter what I did, it wasn't good enough. So I, that's where my overachiever attitude, nothing's ever good enough. I got to try harder and be better. That's where that came from. Yeah. You know, so it's, you know, my, I, I remember one specific 
we talk about traumatic experiences. It wasn't really traumatic, but for me, it stayed with me. Was when my dad, um, my uncles, they all came for a family reunion. I was maybe about, you know, ten years old, mm. and my uncles were we were playing with them all day. And my uncle, I was standing next to my dad, and my uncle would say, "Wow, your daughter Danian is so amazing. She's such a good girl. She's she's you know so talented." And started really talking me up. Yeah. And I'm standing there listening to this, thinking, "How great!" And my dad said, "Yeah, if she can only work on her attitude now." And so it was always, yes, but. So that's the kind of thing I had with my dad because I was, you know, seven kids. You know, how do you? And it was really interesting because all those years he would give all his attention because of sports to my sister who was doing sports and, you know, running like he did. And my dad was athletic and we never connected. And then I remember when I was about to get married to Howard, um, I had my I was close to my stepdad at the time. Yeah. And. I wasn't sure I wanted my dad to walk me down the aisle. I was going to have my stepdad yeah. do it. So I figured before I decide, I need to have a sit down because I never sat down to talk to my dad about it. Wow. Never did. Because, you know, with kids, we keep it all in. Right. And so basically, I sat down with my dad um, a week, a few days before we got married. And I said, I told him what my feelings were, that I never felt good enough. I felt like right. I was a black sheep. You always looked down on me. You never respected me. And he says, what are you talking about? He says, you were the only one in the family that didn't need me. You were so together. You were not doing this. You were doing this. You were always so ambitious. And his whole viewpoint, I was shocked. Like, I never saw that he didn't give me his time because he thought I was the only one who didn't need him. And so that was like a huge shock. And that was the beginning of our healing. Oh, because I so never beautiful. asked you know, so I encourage people, if you have issues with parents, ask and talk, you know. Yeah. But, you know, he walked me down the aisle. And now I'm very cautious to be careful with my own daughters. Yeah. Because my, my daughter, Kylie, she's really overachiever, model, successful, yeah. smart, and all this kind of stuff. And I forget that sometimes she needs me, too. She right. needs to hear it. So I try to remember these things, you know. But you never would have known it unless you asked. Yeah, I think you share that with me because I felt the same similar feelings toward my father. When you told me that, I kind of reflect back and I kind of am wondering, you know. Mm -hmm. And I just came home visiting my mom um, last weekend. I spent three days there. And I, I, this time I purposely want to see my mom and my dad uh, have two siblings and uh, there was two boys and a girl, so it's my aunt still alive. My dad passed, and my his younger brother also passed um, this year. And uh, I didn't know anything about his upbringing, so I, I took a two hours recording of my aunt told me about his childhood and what happened to him. And oh my gosh, can you imagine age twelve or thirteen? I grew up in a little farm town south of Saigon, and the French came in. We fought the French before. Um, and the Japanese and all that. And so uh, from age 12 or 13, he was responsible for his younger sister, which is seven years apart, I think, mm -hmm. or six years apart. Um, his dad was a, a, a donkey, <laughs> <laughs> useless, narcissist guy, according right. to her and his mom. And they basically live in the jungle, in the woods. Uh, he ran for nine years from wars, one war after the other. And I go, holy shit. Oh. And everything made sense. You yeah. know? And still yet, my mom reminded me, you know, uh, you're the hit, you are his favorite because, A, he taught you how to play tennis, which he did. He took you to go hunting and farming on a plantation at back in Vietnam. And when you told me that, it kind of makes sense, right? But yet, here we are. 
for the whole entire adult life, we carry this thing with us. Exactly. Right? You know, Crazy. all this stuff and negative stuff, you know, know. negative feelings. It's like all that wasted energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And what could I, and thank God, I mean, I, I whew, I'm still working on it, but it's a lifetime thing. And I'm so glad that we, we, we kind of let go and forgive. And now I feel, I don't feel guilty, but I have even more deeper compassion toward my father. Mm-hmm. And, and, and again, his father was a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Never told him he's worth anything. But then I bet you if your father talked to him, he would have might have heard his story, right? You so got it's, it. It's really I a matter know. of Weird, everybody's yeah. got a story. Yeah. Just who's ever willing to listen? You know? Brett, your father is still alive, I know. And, and, and you know you don't, you kind of ran him off. And I'm telling you now, don't. I mean, whatever, whenever that is, whatever the time is right, I, w- I would go back there just for your own spiritual growth and your own healing. I don't know. I've been back too many times. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's like I don't have any like really bad ill feeling towards him. I'm just like, okay, cool. No worries. No. Have you asked him about his upbringing? No, that's very true. I haven't. And I'm telling you, I'll bet you it was shit too. Because normally these are learned behavior. Yeah. And I bet nobody ever asked him. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's I probably mean, dying to talk about it i don't know like uh, yeah i mean it'd be cool like I'd, i would like to talk to him again at some point because you know like it's been a long time but um to see what's up you know like like a different mindset like i feel almost like it's almost every 10 years that i talk to him wow so i'd be like okay i'm turning 40 so time to talk to dad <laughs> yeah I, i'm telling you now i regret uh, i was so hurt and full of ego and I wish I could, I wish I, 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 well, it doesn't matter which, but it was all meant to be, to, to be the person I am today. But yeah, I, 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 one regret, I have two regrets, but that w- definitely one of them. I would, I would like to go back and spend more conversation, you know, because I took every word he says so literally. And yeah. because of that, he didn't mean to, I think he meant for the betterment of, of who I am, you know, like he's trying to make me better as a son, but. Yeah, but I think sometimes too we always have always have to listen to that thing also where it's you know we hear it when we're ready to hear it. So <laughs> if you talk to him back then, it probably wouldn't have registered because you weren't ready to hear it, right? You are not the same person you are today. So that's why I said, look at me at jujitsu. I would have probably never lasted in jujitsu if I did it in my twenties or my thirties. You know what I mean? Because I wasn't ready for it. So things happen when they're meant to happen. I fucking love you. That's why you're my <laughs> goddamn soul sister. I, I swear, you and I were connected somehow a different life. Guarantee I know it. I and believe it. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I mean, it, all the conversation, I mean, I, I haven't had the kind of talk that you and I have with any woman. Really? Nah. But nah. you're so easy to talk to. No, it's no, like no. But, but you and I go deep, girl. Like, yeah. you and I go pretty deep. Like, oh, okay. We, we, you know, I mean, we don't just have, we don't just have, like, superficial shit conversation right you know so, so it's real yeah yeah and yeah. it's good it's deep and it has mm-hmm. i know i i want yeah but i i too i have very few people i can talk like that with you can't just talk like that with anybody yeah you know yeah. so i appreciate you no. hey, <laughs> if, 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 yeah when you say that you're absolutely right you know but anyway but whatever if you can find it in you um but you know, like like I say, I mean, what I've learned so far is, is man, you, you, we don't want to get to the last final hour of our life and have any regrets, you know, because time we still somewhat think we have, but you don't know. You know tomorrow's a whole different day. No, no, I mean, we could have a whole conversation about this, but honestly, like, you know, I think about things that will benefit you in your life. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I don't, I don't believe, I, I think you should never have regrets. Yeah. I have a couple of regrets in my life that 
I wish I could take back. But, you know, we learn, we live and learn and we move on and, you know, hopefully we don't make that same mistake again. But, you know, it's, it's, I don't think it would make a big impact okay. in, my, in, in, in my happiness. Um, I mean, Only you know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Yeah. But it's, I'm projecting it's, my own regrets onto you right now, my man. No, it's all good. You know, it's all good. But yeah, I just the the, the more I think about it, and um, you know, the, I've spoken to my girlfriend about it, and and said like, you know, I'd love to hear more about, you know, I'd love to hear from my dad and hear like what his thoughts are, and you know, hopefully that he's proud of me and stuff and the things that I've achieved. And she was like, why? He's like, exactly. She's, he's never been there. He's never, uh, he's had no influence on you. I am. Yeah. It's not matter. Yeah. Fuck like so, everybody else. The so, longer thing, you're the shit. <laughs> so yeah. It's yeah just, I'm it's like just fucking funny. Michelin like, star we're, over here, dude. We're, so we're talking about dads, but yeah, okay. I don't know. But yeah. I mean, it's, I'd like to talk more to somebody and see what the, the, that influence has been not having a father figure. Mm. Yeah, maybe we should wonder if any psychiatrist or psychologist out there, um, you know, specializing in the subject, we'd love to have you. Huh? Hey, you should get my therapist on. Yeah, let's do it. I tell you, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there going through the same thing. Oh, and yeah, definitely yeah, yeah. tune in and listen, you know. Uh, most Olympians probably. <laughs> <laughs> no joke. I'm not kidding. Most Olympians have some kind of a deep hurt issue. Right? They'd be fanatic, obsessed about something. Overcompensation. Yeah. Bury ourselves in something. Right? Yeah, nothing wrong with that. So let's get back to D. Let's get back to D. <laughs> <laughs> you can't run away that quick. Girl. I tried. Yeah, I yeah, tried. Yeah. <laughs> smooth cell. Smooth she came out of the woman. gate like just like, like sprinting. Yeah. <laughs> <She's> like, run <laughs> and run and run. Yeah. Pass. Okay, let's get to adulthood. Yeah. <laughs> let's get. I know. <laughs> I want to slow you down, slow your roll. Uh, <laughs> anyways, um, one of the things I want, I want the reason I, 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 you know, better night, you know, we talk, we discuss who we want to bring on and what subject and all that, and and your name came up and like red eyes lit up, my eyes lit up, and to me, there's so many wonderful, I guess stories, experience that you've gone through in your whole life mm -hmm. that so many um, people out there sitting here right now are going to go, oh my God, that's me. Mm -hmm. You know, for example, um, <laughs> you started jujitsu school at age 50. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I sold everything I had to start this thing in jujitsu at age 50. <laughs> I come to your school promotion one day, and um, I watched the school, and I was so freaking impressed. There were like kids from I don't know what age, from probably three to, you know, uh, Kai was probably thirteen or fourteen. Mm -hmm. His father was here today, and then there's a whole group of men that's training, and then moms just pile up the hallway, dads pile up the hallway, and the way the class was run. And what I love about it was the organization. There was system to it, and there was freaking inspirational pictures all over the whole place. I mean, you walk in, you feel like, wow. In some sense, it feel like you're in a, a, a classroom, an elementary classroom, like a mm. science class with all these things, <laughs> right, right? And then we go to the class, then you whip out this thing, because there's a test coming up, and I swear, Brett, 
<laughs> I've been training now for a while, right? And I love structure because that's how I learn. I learn by principle, concept, and structure. And she has every single moves covered in this giant sheet. How many How many total moves? 99 techniques. 99 techniques. That's tec- my test. Yeah, and it was so freaking awesome. And I walk out of there, and I go, anybody in that stupid school learn 99 of that shit? They're going to be one badass on the mat. I swear to God, it was like, I know them all. I know that. <laughs> I train with that kid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you should see him now. I see him now. He's, he's got a deep voice. I By the way, he's Kai, a man now. Yeah, yeah. Kai was twelve or thirteen when I met him, and I was probably forty pounds um, of muscle. Yeah, oh, more than he is. He was. He was. You know, he was a young man trying. You know, he's going through puberty. His jujitsu was so amazing. Super flexible. His brain, how he moves, amazing. And then um, I, I. I Saw him recently. I think I, I last time I trained him, I think it was like fourteen or fifteen. Mm-hmm. And boy, he grew. And I, 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 I walk away. He goes, I don't. I have maybe one or two years left, and I'm done. He's gonna whoop my ass. Yeah, you know? he's he's getting up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So why? And, and by the way, she's the only female black belt school owner in the whole entire island. Right. Yes. To me, that's amazing. Uh, to yeah, me, that's I, like. I, that's the one thing I, I'm really proud of, the first and only female owner in, in running a school. Um, but it was scary when I first opened because Hawaii has so much good jiu-jitsu, yeah. you know, and they have so many champions and so many competitors. And I was a brown belt at the time. Right. So, you know, it was like, who, you know, I literally had people texting me that I didn't know, asking who gave you permission to open a school. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> you know? Um, but I had an opportunity, um, you know, and I, and I took it. And it was, you know, actually, it, it, it was so stressful because I was already stressed out because, you know, I never ran a school before. And when I was learning, I never really was given an opportunity to teach because my teacher would, you know, teach all the classes. I think once or twice maybe I taught um, in the whole time. So I never really wow. taught before. And so, um, luckily, because I was a motivational speaker, at least I knew how to talk. I just now have to make sure I know the jujitsu. Right? <laughs> I never really taught it before, and, and it's a different skill set. Um, but when I opened the school, um, I was really nervous, and then I started getting calls from everybody trying to tell me what I can and what I cannot do, and who I, you know, who gave me permission, and all this kind of stuff. And I was so stressed; I, w- I thought I was going to have a heart attack. I was just like freaking out. And then, believe it or not, um, I, I called. I, I remember calling Burton Richardson because he's just the nicest, most humble guy in in jujitsu. You know, he does his Jeet Kune Do and stuff. He's but I, Bruce Lee. Yeah, he's he's world yeah, renowned. Yeah. But I always loved his um, character and how he just everybody loves him. So I asked him, "What do you do?" You know, and I asked him what he you know how he dealt with all the pressure and stuff like that. And and I, you know, I remember talking to him, and him giving me a little bit of information, but the this conversation that really stuck to me that made me okay to open my school is um, Hoist Gracie is a good friend of mine. And he told me, he says, forget what everybody else is saying and doing. They don't pay your bills. They don't have anything to do with you or your school. He says, all you have to do is teach ju- good jujitsu and people will come. Amen. It's almost like, it's also my like field of dreams, right? Yeah. Teach good jujitsu and they will come. <laughs> and say, he says, the only people you answer to are your students. You know, and I said, you know, that makes sense. And that relaxed me. Mm. And that finally, I finally got it. And it made me feel that it's okay 
yeah. you know, to open a school and, and to try, right. you know, and just focus on my schools. Forget about what everybody else is saying. They they yeah. don't know me. They don't, you yeah. know, everybody wants to act like they know you and they can say everything about you, but I've never had a conversation with them. Right. You right. know, they just know me from the industry. So yeah, to live a life though, you know, if you start listening to everyone around you, is that really your life? Probably not. Right. No. Yeah, and so. like I said, it's just, you know, I couldn't compete with all these guys, right. which is why I created the tagline of my school. I said, the only way this is going to work is if I'm being me right. and, and doing, doing me. And so I created the tagline, we're, we're a life school, not yeah, a fight school. I love and it. that tagline stood out to people. Yeah. And that's how I grew my school, around people who wanted to learn jiu-jitsu, didn't want to get hurt. Wanted to be, you know, learn and be a part of the industry, but didn't want to be world champion. They yeah. just wanted to, to do it because they yeah. loved it. So, But I, th I think how jiu-jitsu changed my life and changed all of our lives is that. It's like... If you use and you really love jiu-jitsu, it should change your life for all the right reasons. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not about medals and all that's great no. and dandy, but, 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 you know, sooner or later your body's going to get older, you know. So sooner or later, but, you know, you spend probably 80% of your time or 90% of your time off the mat anyway. Right. So, so you're right. I think jiu-jitsu should change your life for the better. It should. It should. Yeah. It should. If you use that correctly. Absolutely. Um, I have a karate school downstairs in my building, and George Kota uh, Kotaka is the head instructor there, and he's like a world champion in karate, and his family is uh, generations and generations of karate, and, and every now and then I run into him when I'm leaving because he's leaving from downstairs, yeah. and he stopped me one day, and I thought it was the coolest thing. He says, he says I have a few friends who do jiu-jitsu. He says, you know what I love about jiu-jitsu? And this is a karate guy who's never done jiu-jitsu, but yeah. his friends do it. He goes, you guys have so many things you teach and can apply to everyday life. He goes, when I teach karate, I struggle to find a way to apply a kick to everyday life or to mm. apply a punch to everyday life. And it's true. Yeah. You know, in jiu-jitsu, we learn to stay calm under pressure. Mm -hmm. When we're in a real bad situation, we learn to take a deep breath and breathe and problem solve. And, mm -hmm. you know, that <laughs> applies to life, you know. I always tell people we fight for control, right? We don't ever want to give up control. I always say, how many moms, the kids are just running here and there, and they're all screaming and yelling, and you're, like, ready to pull your hair out of your head. And do you remember jiu-jitsu? You take a deep breath, and you wait. You, in your room, you over there, and you, yeah. you take back your control, yeah, right? Yeah. So there's so many things that jiu-jitsu teaches us that we can that will remind us how to use that in everyday life whether it's work relationships family job you know um it really does almost everything we do can apply in some way you know the mindsets the philosophies the the you know competition and the the fight for control and the fight to match up or the or the ability to match up and and not try to overpower all the time but know when to compromise right mm. so all of that applies to everyday life it's not about us all the time no nope, no nope. before you get deeper in this thing i want to take us back to 20 years ago you know you mentioned earlier it's like god 20 years ago i would never imagine i would do something that's so addicting that would change my life and you mentioned that after the divorce mm-hmm um, who introduced you? Who talked you into jujitsu? Well, it's really interesting because when I got divorced, my daughters were one and three. So, you know, single mom with young daughters. And I think when they were about three and five, I took them over to Aikahi Shopping Center to try a dance class. And that's where Gracie Kailua was, Jason Izagari. And they were rolling 
while my daughters were trying the dance class. And I always wanted to do self-defense. You learn some kind of self-defense because yeah. I'm a single mom now. I travel internationally sometimes and a yeah. lot. And I need to know how to defend myself. But I never knew which art because they're so confusing. There's so many, right? So I just never really looked into it. But I peek over and I see them rolling around while my daughters were trying the dance class. And I looked and I started asking questions. Jason came up and started asking questions. And then I went and did my research about what Gracie Jiu-Jitsu is. And then I realized that, you know, because I had very little time. I was running a business. I was doing my inventions. And I could be doing it because it was the same exact time my daughter's dance class were and they were door to door, back to back. So I said, instead of sitting on a chair waiting for my kids, I could be doing jujitsu next door. So um, I, there, I guarantee you there was no women in this class. No, there weren't. <laughs> but you know, that's what, what was interesting is that kind of made me a little nervous. But then I realized that number one, if I'm ever going to get attacked, most likely it's going to be by a man. So I better be comfortable rolling with men. Right. And know what they feel like, what they smell like, what they move like, you know, and, and how they, you know, just everything about them. So I'm not afraid of it. And then I thought most likely I'm going to end up on the ground. So I better be comfortable on my back. I better know how to survive if I'm on the ground and someone's on top of me. Right. And so that reasoning made me say, this is the art that is going to be the most um, applicable for a woman to learn rather than kicking. Because I'm not going to go kick with a man who's a lot bigger than me, but he's going to get on top of me top of me i need to know how to survive right and so that's when i decided to give it a try and i fell in love with it it was a right away it was a love of first role kind it of was thing, you know, know the first week jason did strictly like i was too afraid to go with the guys because i saw them rolling around and so the first week he just did on the side with me some self-defense stuff and one-on-one and then a week later he um had me roll with one of the guys because i started seeing them for that week and then i got a little more comfortable then i got addicted i got so addicted i leased the built the room right next to him that next to the door for my warehouse because i was selling my products then yeah what product were you what, what product organizational what? toys for kids i invented toys for my daughters <laughs> and um so i had i sold them <laughs> worldwide so i had a warehouse full of product and so i had in their refrigerators computers tvs microwave everything where the kids could be right in the next door while i'm training and i trained all the time i got so addicted Wow. So everybody's kids would be over there on the couches watching TV and playing on the computers and yeah. there was food and everything they needed there. So and it was like the very next door. It's like door to door, you know. And so we'd be training the kids would be over there and and like yeah. a perfect storm. It was the perfect situation. Did absolutely. you have, so wait? You never had a real job then. You never worked like a, for regular people. I so did. after the divorce, you decide f regular job. I'm yeah, gonna. my first, my last real job. I was the administrative assistant to an architect who was one of the largest architects in Hawaii, AM Partners. Wow. And uh, yeah, Charles Lau, and I was his uh, administrative assistant and worked on all kinds of projects with him. And um, I loved it. I learned how to draft. So, And before him, I was actually designing kitchens, European kitchen cabinetry. So I did all the blueprints for Nauru wow. Tower, Imperial Plaza, Waikiki Landmark. Those were my projects. So I drafted all the kitchens and baths, and we supplied all the European cabinetry. I'd be on my hard hat delivering container loads of stuff and teaching them how to install them and yeah, I was in construction. <laughs> Dang, girl. Yeah, so I did wow. all that. But that was my, after that, after the architect firm, I was always on my own, yeah. Really? Mm -hmm. and, and did you know anything about, like, take an idea to a product? And no, we know you can sell, but how the hell did you figure that shit out? You know, I had to do it the hard way. I had to, you know, mistakes and, you know, burning through money the wrong way. And I learned the hard way because nobody was there to help me. Right. And that actually led to, because I had to do it the hard way, I learned all the right ways and the wrong ways to do things. I learned what not to do. Um, but, you know, I went to China and 
set up my manufacturers there in Hong Kong, and you know I did all of that. But later on, I actually people would constantly call me. How do I do this? How do? And it's not as easy as a simple question or yeah, an answer. Yeah, yeah. So I did my first seminar teaching. I've never done a seminar before, but everybody asked me to. So I did my first seminar teaching how to bring a product to market. And it was a huge success, and you know, I was surprised how well I did. I I, su- I was surprised how much I knew right. because of the what I've been through. Right, right. So I think that's for me. Since I was a child, my best learning is by doing. I'm not a book person. I never went to college. I'm the type of person I get in and I play with it. I feel it. I move it. I touch it. I make mistakes, and then I learn and I absorb. And I'm constantly analyzing everything I do. So that's my learning style. Oh my God! I I, I wish. All the parents out there sitting here, right, and and thinking about sending your children to go to school, going to cost about 100 Gs. Take the 100 Gs and let them start a business that they you love know, it. And they're going to learn more from that shit than they would in the classroom. You have no idea. They need to learn by doing it and yeah. making the mistakes. Failures. I mean, seriously, I mean, you, what I'm listening to you right now, I go, oh my gosh, she's brilliant. She fails and she fails, she fails. And to turn that into a teaching seminar. Well, well you and know, I have a, I have a seminar. Yeah. It's called, um, if you're going to fail, fail big. You know, because you can't fail big without making yeah. a lot of big Don't right tap, choices. go to sleep. Yeah. Okay? You know. Don't puss out. Go to sleep. Uh. Well, well, it's a mindset, right? You know, I always tell um, in my seminars, I says most times people will do little things and have little wins. Win, win, win. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, people can't see me here. But, you know, if you start at the top, you fail, 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 but yeah. you're going to end up here. Yeah. You start at the bottom. You win, 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 but this is the highest you're going to go. Oh. So I'm a mindset where I'm going to shoot for the top, and I'm going to fail, 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 but I'm going to be so far ahead of the people who started at the bottom and only did little things to win, right? It's kind of like, you know, the Trumps, and look how many times Trump, you know, filed for bankruptcy, <laughs> and now he's president of the United <laughs> States, right? So Steve Jobs is another one. He lost the yeah. company, but he kept going, right? Yeah. So it's because we're not afraid to fail. Yeah, The people who aren't afraid to fail we'll get right back up there but if you're so afraid to fail you're yeah. never going to really try yeah you know and so that's my whole mantra with kids is let them get in there and let them fail don't try to protect them all the time yeah you know which is why i built the biz kids you yeah know, that program that i do yeah. oh man just uh, quickly yeah. uh Danan, um how many things have you invented <laughs> <laughs> you stole um, my mind <laughs> yeah uh, let's see um Hair carousel, nail carousel, jewelry carousel. Wait, wait, slow down. Slow down so we can count them. I'm counting them on my finger. No, no, no. (laughs) Just count them. I'm going to go with you. Let's go. My first one was the no-fly zone. No flies in. What what the hell is that? That's a battery-operated thing you put in the middle of your table when you're eating outdoors like tailgate and it swishes these branches around with leaves and it keeps the flies off your food. <laughs> that was what I learned everything on. And I call it the no-fly zone. <laughs> so, Wait, you, you invented that? Yes, I did. Oh, shit. And we even did an infomercial on it. We would put, you know, and when I first got my first prototype in, we're Nanakuli is where I invented it. We're yeah. Nanakuli and the pig farms are up on Hakimo. So when yeah. the wind blows this way, it comes down and the flies are everywhere. So we were barbecuing at my mom's house. And my mom would, you know, we'd bring the food out and outside and she'd be there with the coconut leaf shooing the things away. She goes, if somebody could invent something that I can stick this leaf in there and it'll do it for me, they're going to make millions. That's when the light bulb went off. Holy <laughs> shit. It's, Holy it's, shit. You know, but that's what we all do. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Uh, how many units, do you remember how many units you sold? Um, I think we did, I think I produced about maybe... Seven or eight thousand. Oh my god! Why did you take it to QVC? Like all these. Well, ideas. that was my first invention. Okay, okay, you're okay, not, okay, you're okay. You're not okay, gonna okay, want to cool, know cool, why. Cool. I all right, have okay, to okay. Stop. Let's go number two. Okay, 
So then I learned everything. Yeah. And then I started inventing organizational toys for my daughters because their scrunchies would be all over the drawer and nothing would be organized. Everything's thrown in boxes. You can't find anything. So then I created the hair carousel to organize your hair accessories and the jewelry carousel for your jewelry. And then, uh, you know, they look like little store displays, but they're in fun ways. They have music and they come with little kits. And so I was doing it for my daughters. And that's and by the, the way, ones that went big. By the way, I want to I want to make a really a public announcement. My D does not drink alcohol. <laughs> she does smoke at all. She does not do anything none whatsoever. She doesn't even drink soda. You're telling everybody how boring I am. Honey, how can you be boring? Uh, holy crap, listen to your shit. I, boring is definitely not on top of Maybe my I'm mind. Maybe I'm just too busy. Yeah, I have a lot. There's a letter B that I'm thinking is called brilliant, but not boring. Well, okay, thank so you. let's go, let's go, let's go. So the hair carousel, then the nail carousel, yeah. and the jewelry carousel. And so those I did were my best sellers because I yeah. sold those internationally. I sold them on. Um, I think, was it one of the home shopping networks, yeah. QVC? Um, we went into Walmart, Costco, Sam's Club. We were like all over. I was in so many magazines and wow. we went international with that. So that was really exciting. I learned a lot about retail and marketing. Would you like to so be part owner of Kiko, your marketing <laughs> uh, guru? <laughs> I, you guys are doing a really good job without me. You, you, you don't need any help. You're doing great. <laughs> I know. We're not in all countries. We're not selling those kinds of units. Yeah. Anywho, keep going. But, you know, I also learned a lot from that because yeah. I realized that my boxes were too big because they were big units yeah. and people would only buy them at Christmas because shelf space. So I learned mm. a lot about retail shelf yes. space. And that's, you know, again, I spent time storing fees in warehouses, oh. right, for for the whole year until Christmas comes and then yeah. it makes up for the whole year. But, you know, so there was a lot of things. But then I started getting to a point where I um, went into teaching. Well, I did other products. I did a Magnum Maze and... Uh, doll uh, overhaul sit, uh, set with a fashion show wardrobe. I did all these things that not all of them came to market because they were so expensive to produce. Right. But we were going to license them. Um, and then I decided it was just, I wanted to do so many things. It's the life of an entrepreneur, of an inventor. Our yeah, brains yeah, don't yeah. shut off. Yeah. So I decided, with all the people asking me, I decided to teach. And then I liked it so much that I started veering away from products. Mm. And I went into teaching because it was less cash you know, up front yes, capital exactly. to actually build product. That was the hardest thing because in, in inventing, you have to provide cash up front and you have to produce everything before they even buy it. Right. And then you have to wait to get billed. And, right. you know, I don't have to get into all that. You know what that's like. But um, then I went into teaching because there was no overhead. And right. I, I could just really focus on everything I've learned with all those other products. And that's when it really clicked. And I started, created my DVD system and I actually did my infomercial with Kevin Harrington. You know, from the guy who used to be on Shark Tank and yeah. he was, did a lot of infomercials, but, you know, um, he did my infomercial and everything. And then we went and did it and, and it didn't do as well as we wanted, but it's just one of those things people, um, they love inventors. I love working with inventors, but they want you to do everything for free. <laughs> you know, and they always never have the time, the money or the energy to do their dreams. So I got to a point where everybody just talked about what they wanted to do, but nobody was willing Doing to do it. the work um, or put the okay. money in. Yeah, and yeah. so that's when I just got a little kind of frustrated. Yeah. And then I started getting into the jujitsu and so that started stealing my passion. You know, right, I started right. getting into that. And so I knew when I opened my school, that's when my, my brainchild of Hawaii Biz Kids came about right. because I figured I can't make adults do it. But right. adults will take the energy to teach their kids. Yeah. I got to get them when they're young, right. when they're impressionable, and when I can plant the seeds in their brains when they're young about business. And then it'll carry over to when they become an adult. 
Okay, I'm, I'm going to make a public announcement. Um, so when I observe the summer program they put together for the kids, I'm sitting here, I'm going, oh, my God. If I have, like, I, I promise you, if, if Nikki and Gabby was younger, they'll be at the school, no Aww. doubt. Because you know what I witnessed? I saw not only you take them to learn how to make food, you take them to all kinds of different businesses and different academies, take them to the zoo, but you make them also do volunteer work. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so you we take do them. a lot. Yeah, so you take them. You, you, it's like you build this life, th- these little children life with multiple slices. So it's not only martial art, but like they're learning life lessons. I try to create way. camps that nobody else is doing. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it, for me, I have to be unique. I have to do it differently. Right. So our Hawaii Biz Kids basically teaches kids how to bring a product to market and how to start your own business. Right. Our survival camp teaches kids all the life skills they need to learn before they leave the home. You know, right. sewing, cooking, cleaning, relationships. Know. You know, we relationship do. Oh too? yeah, relationships oh. too. Okay, what, um, what's some of the lessons you teach these little? Well, we teach them the, the different kinds of relationships. Okay. There's a major, minor, and associate. So a major relationship would be something that involves love. Your parents, your family, your boyfriend, your wife. You know, anytime there's love involved, it's a major relationship, and okay. this is the kind of stuff. Then there's the minor ones that are people we like. But we're close to, you know, your best friends, you know, um, could be distant relatives, you know, um, but they have to decide who goes in that category. Right. It could be your instructors or, you know, or if you're close to them. Right. Yep. And then associates are people you see all the time and you have a relationship with them. But once you leave them, you don't think about them. So it would be like me, a coach. Right. Yep. I'm a relationship, some kind of coach or instructor or teacher at school. You deal with them all the time. But. Once you leave, you, you disconnect. So mm-hmm. we teach them who in your life belongs in these different boxes. So they learn. Oh, that's so brilliant. Yeah. So they learn. I didn't know that, Brad. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know you were like in my, what was the eight, three boxes again? <laughs> one more time. What was the first one? The major relationships. Major relationships. Relates to love. Yeah. yeah. Um, minor relationships minor. are people we like a lot. Okay. Right. And then associates are people we communicate and deal with all the time. And we like them, but once we leave, oh. we don't, we you know. We don't have that connection. We, it's only when we're with them that got we have it. a connection. So, you know, because kids, you got to be mild. We also do goal setting. They learn about short-term, long-term goals and immediate goals. And we don't let them go past a year because their goals always change. Right. So they learn time management. I mean, all these things that will carry over. Insane, time. dude. No, uh, it's insane. This is amazing. It's from Absolutely a jiu-jitsu school. I never heard such a freaking thing. Yeah. Seriously. No. <clears throat> changing, changing children's lives. Yeah, You're yeah. absolutely 100% uh, just correct. Just shaping. I mean, just shaping. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, yeah, at that age, I mean, shit, like, it's incredible. I don't know of anyone that's doing that. Wow. Yeah. And then, of course, we have our jiu-jitsu camp. And, and the these fuckers tell you not to open the school. <laughs> Those well, that's the whole thing. They're I just know. so... Jealous like, envy in trying to really project that they're shit. They're just trying to control the whole... I mean, the whole jiu-jitsu community. I don't know. Like, I think it's quite culty and... Sort of I mean, you know, granted, you know, we, we come from way back when it was really old school and there yeah. was a lot of politics and stuff. But, you know, I have to say, and uh, largely, you know, to Keikoa, that that's not as bad as it used to be. It's oh. changing, you know, like me having open I'm gonna maps. Cry. I'm going to cry. I'm going to cry. No, but it's true. You guys oh have had God. a huge impact on shifting that mindset. So even though it's still there and we still have to deal with it, it's nowhere near like it used to be. And so it's so much more inviting, so much more, you know, everybody about the love of jiu-jitsu. And it's not just, you know, us against you kind of thing, you know. So kudos to you, my friend. Hey, thank you. That means we're, we're 
oh, that, that's that was Arby and I was dream. It was like, you know, how do we come here and unite? It was Yujitero and have one flag. That flag would be Aloha. Because mm-hmm. that's, that's what we're known for. And that's who Absolutely. we are as, as people. And I think, you know, sooner or later, people come from all over the world, gets on our mat, doesn't matter. And when they leave, I hope it's not about great jujitsu. I hope they go, wow, they feel warm and fuzzy inside first. Mm-hmm. And that's Aloha. It is, and it's genuine. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it can't be because it's if not, it's not, it's not. It's aloha. not aloha. Exactly. But some it's, people it's try number to three do, yeah. associate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but some people try to I duplicate know. it, but yeah. they cannot, well, know, especially on the mainland. It, yeah, you cannot, know, right. And then same thing for all of our students and all our jujitsu here is like when we leave this island and we go somewhere else, and how we behave on the mat. Uh, hopefully, same thing. We mm-hmm. leave that imprint of aloha. Yeah, you know, that's, that's why I made it a point yeah. when I do my seminars, when I travel, I always give lays at the end. I'm yeah. always trying to bring the aloha from Hawaii and remind yeah. them that it's all about aloha. You know, and I think that's w- th- and then that should be. And I think by the end of the day, you know, it's like it's we all seem the same loves and passion. And and I told somebody this the other day that was visiting me, and I go, you know what? When you're stuck on the island, you mm-hmm. know, and you have like 38 or 40 schools, you know, and you're not really. It's like a if you grew up in the village, really small, remote somewhere in Sumba, mm-hmm. right, you don't really, you kind of lose your girlfriend for a little while and eventually she'll come back to you. <laughs> <laughs> I never heard that one before. You know, I mean, it's like, it's like a, you know, hey. There's only so much in the pot. <laughs> yeah, sooner or later they'll come back, you know. So yeah. it's okay, but if they'll come back, it's not meant to be. But either way, you should celebrate their journey mm-hmm. of jujitsu. You know, if we can just come together and celebrate everyone happiness holy yeah. god i know let's let's not put the dollar sign before that you know yeah, yeah. Well, and that's what we're trying to change you yeah. know, the, the world look at look at where we are today and like what has happened transpired the last 30 40 years you know mm-hmm. and, and now when i see and and you know rylan i love you to death i fucking love your brains <laughs> um you know i don't know rylan well but look, for the last few months he's been coming around with his two beautiful daughters i'm Aww. in love with his daughters and um and Rylan looks at me one day, we had this talk, and he goes, Dewey, you know what, jujitsu, they call it, you know, jujitsu is an art, gentle art. So it's an art first before it was a business. Absolutely. So, so please, if you own a school and you're a coach, put the art before the dollar. And I absolutely agree. Because if we don't do that, man, all of us will suffer because mm-hmm. they'll be like, you know, like I, I you know, when you drive across the country and mm-hmm. you stop in a little strip mall and you eat a fast food, I swear to God, I saw a karate school every corner across mm-hmm. the United States, right? Mm-hmm. And you go in and you look at that thing, and that's the problem. The problem is they didn't put the art first. They put business first. We have all these kids getting black belt, and they're like two years old. Exactly. And, and then you look at the professor, and they go, oh, my God, what happened here? So, yeah, I'm so in love with what we do, and it's good, uh, such an amazing life. Yeah. And our one responsibility th- and our duties is yeah. huge. The one of the things that really I loved about the jiu-jitsu um, belt system and how we did it would be because it took a long time to get your belt. You had to earn it, and it's not just given to you, like you said. And I always felt like, you know, when I got a belt, it was because I earned it. You know, when I was uh, when I was a white belt and I used to go visit other schools, even a blue belt. Right. You know, and there weren't a lot of women back there back then um, doing it. So 
I would always hear these comments like, oh, I want to get her in my guard and blah, blah, blah. You know, and it was because I was a girl. I was a white belt. They never really had a lot of respect back there because there was just so few of us. And you're super pretty I, too, lady. Oh. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> well, thank you. But when I got my brown belt, when I went to Bangkok to train, and I, they've never seen a brown belt girl. But when I walk on the mat with a brown belt, they don't see the face. The first thing they see is the belt because yeah. they know what it took to get there, yeah. especially for a girl. Yeah. So when you work hard, you might have to put up with a lot in the beginning as a woman. But if you stick it out and earn the respect and you do the journey and you stick to your, your guns, that belt is going to mean so much more than a regular guy's belt because of what it took to get there. Amen. Yeah. A freaking yeah. men. Yeah. And, you know, you're kind of a sandbagger. <laughs> You've been a brown belt for like nine years. Or well, my instructor never got his black belt. Um, okay. So yeah, that's yeah. the reason why. And yeah, then yeah. it took me a while to find the right instructor. Mm. And I only really thought about it when I opened my school because I had to right. to get mine. Right, right. So that's why when I opened it, it was a brown belt. Ooh, so. And I was there, and I'm telling you now, oh. boy, you pick one of the most amazing men. I am. That's oh, one of the Michael best Chapman. I hope you I've come back soon. Had. Please come back, Michael. They're Chapman. coming in February for our adult promotions. Oh, fifteen oh of them, I think, are All coming. Right. So, so they'll be okay, here um, for sure. Um, let's do dinner for sure with Mike. Absolutely, yeah, that, that's a must for sure. Absolutely, yeah, I can't do fifteen at the house. My wife would leave me, but <laughs> I can do probably fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> so. We'll just kick some out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we roll whoever passed Mike's. Yeah, you know, guy that can get to come to dinner. Um, <laughs> so the whole idea, right, of leaving entrepreneurship and all that, and start your school, and here you are, knowing you only a brown belt woman, and this really shark infested, full of you know man's world. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> especially in jujitsu in Hawaii, you know, mm -hmm. and. Um, any moment in time you feel like, oh shit, that's it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give up. I'm over this shit. Yes, there was one moment and one moment only, mm. and it was about maybe five months in. I went, uh, you know, I was encouraging my students to compete, and so I've never done worlds or pans, and so I told them, if you guys compete, I'll do worlds and pans because I got to do it at least once, you know, before I get too old. And so I went up to compete, and my good friend Kyle Maynard, I don't know if you know, he has no arms and no legs. He's no. now a purple belt um, under Andre Galvao. Okay. And, uh, he's Brad, you're shaking your head. Yeah, yeah he's world-renowned. Yeah. Okay, he has okay. a movie about him. Yeah, he's yeah, a motivational okay. speaker. Um, he's amazing. So I went up to do worlds, and he went with me, and I toured all the schools, you know, to go train and get ready for this because I only knew two weeks before I went that I was going to do it because right. I didn't know it was at the same time I was already going up there. Right. So I took him with me. We trained with Henner and we went to go to, um, I went to Mauricio Tinginia um, school and we went everywhere, Chris Howder. And then we went to his school in San Diego and I trained with him at um, Andre Galval's school and Keenan Cornelius was there and it was their um, competition training. And I, and I was exhausted from training already because we trained there that afternoon. Right. And then we came back in the, af in the evening to do the competition class. And I said, I'm just going to watch because I'm, I'm worn down and I got worlds in two days and I yep. don't want to be right. exhausted. But the room was packed. Right. And I'm sitting there taking notes. So I sit there and I'm really excited to see world class. What belt you know, were you there? I was a brown. Okay. Yeah. So um, I'm sitting down and I'm taking notes and I s they start with the drills. And I start taking notes. Oh, that's a good drill. And I take a note. That's a good drill. And I got to add this to my school. And then 45 minutes later, they're still drilling. And then it was almost an hour and they're still drilling. And I went, 
wow, that's a lot of drills. Then they finally started to do the class. And then they start teaching, and they're all going, like, full on. You know, like, hard. The, the hard. Just for learning. This isn't the sparring. This is just the learning. They're drilling it, drilling it, drilling it, drilling it. And I'm watching. And then halfway through that, and they're still going. And I'm like, why did I open a school? I can't do this. Wow. And I started getting all these doubts, like, I can never do this. Who, who do I think I am? And then it's still going. Then they start to spar ah. for another hour. Or, or it would seem like an hour, right? They're sparring hard. The sweat's everywhere. They're going around the room. Then they did another 30 minutes warm down. Oh, my God. Now, here's the interesting part. I started out excited during the dr drills and warm up. Halfway through, I got totally depressed and like, I can never do this. What I, I, I'd be a failure. Thank God you sat down. At the end of it, I said, now I know why I have a school. If I started in a school like that, I never would have fallen in love with jujitsu. Mm. Then I realized there is a place for me because most people can't do that. Yeah. So I came up with this concept that when people ask me about my school, I says, you know what? There's a lot more Walmarts than there are Nordstroms. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so that wow. was always my thing. There's more people that want to do it and want to be a part of their life. Yeah. They don't all want to be world champion. Yeah. You know? And then it was a friend of mine, Itamar, that told me when I told him that uh, he just got his black belt. Oh, he, I know. I he, love yeah, him. Yeah, he's, he's great. Yeah. And him and his girl, I knew his girlfriend. That's how I met him. And oh, they stayed okay. with me when yeah, they were yeah, visiting. Yeah, yeah, And we used to talk a lot. And I told him my concept of, you know, there's a lot more Nordstroms than there are Walmarts. And he said something to me that was the most, I mean, I just appreciated it so much. He goes, what are you talking about? You're the Nordstrom. He says, anybody can teach somebody jujitsu that, the only place they're going to end up is on the mat. The only way they can show what they can do is on the mat. But what you do is you apply everything to the rest of their life off the mm. mat. That's a lot bigger space. You're the Nordstrom. Yeah. You're not. And then I thought, oh, my God, no. it made me feel so good. You I know? knew that my guy is so <laughs> smart. No, but he, he's he's, he's, he's said a lot of things that really made me realize the value. Rather than looking at myself as the cheaper version of jujitsu, yeah. he made me really see the value in what I was doing. And I really appreciated that because, you know, and, and it shows in my school and in my students. And I, I say as an instructor, I have one goal and one goal only. My goal is to make you fall in love with jujitsu. Mm -hmm. What you do with it is up to you. Yeah. But because not everybody wants to be world champion, you know. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's to, to, to your point, you know, Kekola is. You know, I mean, we love jujitsu, but it's it's a lifestyle thing. You mm -hmm. know? So so for us, you know, it's it's not about. I think getting on the mat change your life. So it's about. I just want to get as much people on the mat as possible because mm -hmm. I think on the mat, your opportunity, your chance to be awakened is much greater but than if you're off the mat. Absolutely, but the other thing that being on the mat does is, and we've all heard this before, you can't lie on the mat. <laughs> you have to be who you are on the mat. You cannot come in there with this sense of trying to be somebody you're not. I know. So when you get on the mat, you learn to deal with who you are yeah. and improve from there. Yeah, you know, it's scary as shit. It is. It is. You have to who, face who, who you to are. Yeah, it's <laughs> right. Truth is that mother effort. Yep. <laughs> ah, you know why is it? I want to know. It's like. I spend my all my lifetime in the surf industry, and I love the surf industry. But when I started training jiu-jitsu, oh my God, our tribes you are the most amazing human beings, regardless of 
Uh, it doesn't matter where they come from, mm-hmm. uh, what belt. It doesn't matter. Matter of fact, the higher belt level they are, the more amazing, peaceful, loving they are. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Well, I mean, it's, it's a trip. Like, I never felt so inclusive, so love and welcome, no matter where I go when I meet another person to train or, or, or join another class, or, you know, yeah. whatever. It's, uh, it's I weird. Think, I think a lot of it has to do because being on the mat, you cannot be anybody but yourself. When you realize being yourself is okay and people accept you for you, mm. you let everything else go and you also, you know, let go of all that you know, the ego and mm. all that stuff. And you start to say, hey, I don't need to try to prove anything. I can be who I am and they yeah. still like me. They still want me. You know, and I think that's why people start to become better people as a result of jujitsu. Yeah, that's that. I don't think, you know, as a, as a white and blue belt, I mean, we, you know, we think we know it all as a white and blue belt. I remember carrying my white belt all over Italy. I had three stripes. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know everything about jujitsu. You know, it's so funny because um, I always, when I do my seminars, I have these little things that I say. And one of them is that, you know, I asked everybody, how many of you are white and blue belts? You just love jujitsu and you're going to do this the rest of your life. And, you know, you just, you found your calling and they all raise their hands, right? Because at that level, they're just so in love with jujitsu. It's the best thing ever, like we did when we were that level. And I said, I hate to burst your bubble. But you're not in love with jujitsu. You're in lust with it. Yeah, you know, it's, it's like a relationship. That's true. That's true. It is. It's new. It's exciting. And I said, it's not till you're at your late blue or your early purple that love sets in. Because now, going through all the defeat, the injuries, the frustrations, the you know, the, the being beat all the time, and you still want to do it. That's when the love sets in, right? Because it's seventy percent, I think, yeah. drop out of blue belt, right? Right. Oh, it's yeah, a big yeah, because yeah. because people put so much emphasis on the oh, belt yeah. that when they get that new belt, they expect something magic to happen. <laughs> but guess what happens? You go back to class the next day, the same white belts are tapping you out, and the same blue belts are tapping you out <laughs> because they just put so much emphasis on the belt, and that's what's the challenge. It's not the belt; it's the journey. Yeah. I tell my students that the belt isn't for you. It's for everybody else. So when you walk on the mat, it tells them how they can train with you. It notifies them how much jujitsu you know, so they know how to train with you. Yeah. That's it's not for you to go, you know, power around in. Yeah, stuff but like it's that. so important that you just say that because that means for school out there that truly honor the art. You know, they don't put on stripe or belt promotion until that student really put time in the mat. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 school that does that. Bless your heart, man. I mean, you're honoring the art first. You know, because I've seen sc- people come through here. I mean, I've been submitted by Blue Belt. I don't know how many times. It's mm-hmm. not even funny. And then i seen <laughs> Brown Belt getting passed, mm-hmm. Purple Belt getting passed, mm-hmm. getting smoked, not even passed. Right. And I feel bad for that person. Yeah. And it's really that school responsibility, the coach. Yep. The owners. Well, that's why we do our 99 techniques. I may not be a championship school. I may not build champions. That's not my goal. But I can live with, I build instructors. So I want to know that if you're in my school, you may not be world champion, but I know you can teach jujitsu the right way. And you can pass it on so somebody else can benefit from it. Because what's the purpose of having jujitsu and learning it if you can't pass it on? Yeah. Right? So I want to, you know, for me, I rather focus on making sure my students know technical jujitsu. You know, it's not about winning. In fact, I really love Elio Gracie. Um, way back when he was the only one doing it, right? He never promoted people based on belts. He had two belts, a white and a blue. 
You know, did you know I this? Just, no, yes. Ryland told me this. Yes. White and blue. I never knew this. And the way you get, even if you were world champion, you won tournaments, you still wore a white belt, just like a brand new white belt. And so he says he never promoted people. I'm bringing that shit back. Yeah. You <laughs> never promoted people on winning fights or tournaments yeah. because all that told him was that you know how to fight. It doesn't tell him you know jujitsu. Yeah. It just tells you know how to fight. For five minutes, for 10 minutes. So to get a blue belt, you have to take the professor's course. And that takes a long time to learn and stuff. And it's a long process. And if you get promoted, then you have a dark blue belt. So you wear a light blue belt while you're in the course. And you get a dark blue belt when you graduate the course. So I thought that was fascinating. And it was the belts came later. Did you know that? Yeah, the belts came later. Incredible. White and blue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's incredible. That was it. Yeah. And stuff. So it would take like two years. You couldn't ask him before two years to test you. So you would be in a professor's course two or three years. And then when you feel you're ready after that, you can ask him to to test you. And he will test you, not just on your moves, but your character. That's why it takes so long. He wanted to make sure you build the mindset of jujitsu, not just the moves. Yeah. And it's so the mindset and the character yeah. and the honesty and the virtues of jujitsu. I know. It breaks my heart when I see douchebag black belts. Mm. It fucking bums me out. It really yeah. does. It, it just breaks my heart. Yeah. You know, because because you, I mean, when you put that thing on, and it's like getting a PhD, Any ten time, years, you know, yeah. ten years or more, you know, it's a, it's you put that thing on. There's a sense of duty, the sense of responsibility. You know, what was really mind blowing is I was realizing that from kindergarten all the way to twelfth grade. Now, when we graduate high school, do you imagine how much we learn in that period of time? That's twelve years. I've been doing jujitsu almost twenty. And it's like, oh, my God, you know, it's just mind blowing. You know, that's like going to college and masters, you know, you're afterwards, you know, it's like that much knowledge. It's like, how can you not do something with it after all that? It's like going to college and spending all that money and doing nothing with it. Yeah. You know, it's sad, but people do that, you know. But I, I mean, I, I think there's the more school, the better, because I think I can't imagine our society 30 years from today. I promise you, it's a whole new behavior if you put you know 50 percent of our children across america are trained jiu-jitsu mm-hmm. right and imagine all the adults who train jiu-jitsu and they have children i mean the household right the neighbor who we are mm-hmm. I mean, we're gonna let more people move into the lane we're gonna let people you know take our parking spot mm-hmm. we're less hot-headed more calm and you know it, it would change the world and and I yeah. and that's why I get so upset when these guys are douchey because you go dude you're not helping the cause you motherfucker right right you know I'm like stop stop mm-hmm. it's not about you but you, you know, know anytime something grows to that magnitude you're yeah. always going to have those people yeah and you you can't stress out over it you yeah. know because it's going to happen whether you want it to or not yeah and we just have to keep doing more good to yeah. overpower the bad so the bad will kind of weed itself yeah. out the 10 percent yeah that's a little yeah. yeah because no matter what in any you're right, business you're right you're it's right. going to be there yeah, and we got to deal with right. it all we can do is try to do our best to that's why you're my soul sister <laughs> you bring me back to this space <laughs> so much hate and you bring me back to this place of just compassion yeah. dang it i love you <laughs> but i mean when it comes to my you know i have a big kids program yeah. And I think my biggest focus for the kids with jujitsu and how I use jujitsu, it's not about making them the best at jujitsu. Our focus when they, especially when they first start, yeah. it's really about building their confidence. Yeah. Because when a kid is confident, they're not willing, they're, they're not afraid to try. Right. They're not afraid to fail. So every time a kid's on the mat, the first thing we do is don't try to correct them. 
you just empower them and make them feel good like they're doing everything everybody else is doing they're right. you know it's like good job you know and right. it's really about making them feel good about themselves first then let them slowly start fixing the jujitsu and, right. and the movements because then they're not afraid and they've built their confidence up because when they're confident when they're young they're going to go through life not being afraid and then they're going to become really you know they're going to have so many more opportunities to do things and try things and not be afraid but if they're going to always be afraid because you know sometimes you go into school and they immediately try to check you like i had one of my instructors they were new and they were learning it. And it actually wasn't one of my instructors, one of the parents who was doing jujitsu with me. And he came on the mat and helped us out one time. And his daughter was in class. And he would literally grab her leg and say, No, it goes here. And tried to move her legs wow. and make it move. I said, Don't ever do that again. Yeah. I says, I know you really want your daughter to go do good, but you're you're making them intimidated. You're 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 making them defend themselves. You're making them uncomfortable. Just tell them what to do and let them figure it out. You can fix them later. Let them build their confidence first, you know. Let them do the one to the fixing. So, you know, you wouldn't want anybody putting your hands on you, you know. So don't do that to them unless it's an extreme situation, right? And they ask. Yeah. But especially little ones, you know, you gotta be really careful, you know. Fragile. Yeah, same thing. They might imprint that and they take that on forever, right? Yeah. Just like we did with But then you're basically telling them when you do that and you're trying to correct them on their first day and, and in you know, yeah. aggressively, you're basically telling them you're not doing it good, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Listen to what I'm telling you. Yeah, Kids yeah. take it they're that not way. Worthy. And they're trying to fit in already. Right, right. You know, right. it's it's scary enough that they're going to a place where they don't know anybody. So who you learn this from? Like who are your mentors? Like like how do you derive this phenomenal yeah, like like well, yeah. Who, who I like to meet, share some like who who are these people? You know, it's. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it was just being around kids, growing up with kids, and I'm I'm just one of these people that I analyze everything. That's probably why I don't have a relationship right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I love thinking about it. I'm Maybe a thinker. Maybe she starts smoking <laughs> weed. <laughs> but, but I analyze everything. No, so that makes I, you paranoid. Maybe not, yeah. No, but I, I think yeah. about things. So I deal with kids so much. The more I deal with them, the more yeah. I figure things out and I see patterns. Mm. And it's not that I'm learning anything yeah. from anybody or I'm taking classes. It's just that I tend to pay attention more. Because it's who I am, I yeah. can't not do that. It's just my my DNA. I just my brain works that way. Yeah. Where I'll watch things and I'll analyze and I'll question and I'm I'm always say, what if this? How come this? And then I'll try to compare it to something in life and and I try to find all these things that connect and then it makes sense to me and then I can teach it. So I always said that one of my gifts, even when I was motivational speaking and teaching invention. I think if I had to pick, you know, we're all given gifts by God and, and yeah. you know, everybody has a gift. And I had to really think hard, what is the gift that I have? You know, what was Do you know what I'm that is? At? I, I, I think okay. the gift is that I can take something that's complicated, mm -hmm. like if a doctor explains something or a lawyer explains in language and it's yeah, complicated, yeah. as long as I can understand it, I know how to rechange the language to make it real easy to understand for other people. Oh, my God. So that, I think, is my gift because that comes real natural for me. To be able to explain something yeah. and make them get it when it's really hard for other people to explain it. I need to sit down with you for two hours and let my brain go at it. And then <laughs> you can just take all that shit jumbo jumbo in my head and break it down so I can <laughs> fix a lot of shit in my life. <laughs> it's just analyzing it and thinking okay. about it. You know? Let me ask you this. I have a magic wand right here. This stick here. I, what is this thing <laughs> called you brought for me? I brought you an ayahuasca stick right okay. from Peru. Let's say I'm, I'm like a magic wand. I go, D, I'm making dinner. You can invite whoever you want, dead or alive, anybody you want for this dinner. 
And for this dinner, it's going to last for four fucking hours. Who would you like that to be? Oprah who is Winfrey. Who? <laughs> <laughs> Brett, Oprah Winfrey. Brett, who, who would you invite? Who would I invite? Yeah, yeah. Dead yeah, or alive, doesn't you, matter. You put me on the spot. <clears throat> yeah. I have no idea. Wow. Like, I mean, like, I have a lot of people that inspire me and stuff, you know. Um, yeah. How I about just, people you want to learn from? I mean, I want to learn from. Uh, like it changes the, all the time. Like, like, not even a famous photographer? You know, that's somebody from Iceland that you're in love with Iceland, whoever discovered <laughs> Iceland, maybe. I mean, you want to fucking move to Iceland? Uh, <laughs> I get a Viking over, he might cause some <laughs> chaos at the, at the dinner. <laughs> you know, like, oh, who's your, like, you know, who's your wild friend? Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. It's, it's so crazy. I'm inspired by so many different things. I've always got my finger in so many different pies. Um, and it's constantly changing. I mean, I don't know. Just. Yeah, I can't answer that. Okay, cool. I cool, generally cool, cool. can't answer right, that. Right, yeah. right, right, I've had two beers, so that's probably it. <laughs> I know you don't drink either. No, exactly. <laughs> you know the funny thing is, I look forward so much every Wednesday night. Do you feel the same? I do, and yeah, I mean, people know that it's my um, it's my podcast night. Uh, so um, yeah, so it's always it's always good. Um, yeah, because every Wednesday night. I kind of know the guest. Yeah. But you, but you kind of don't really know the guest. Well, I, I mean, I mean right. yeah, to be honest with you, I have not pretty much known anybody. Yeah. It's, it's been like a full learning curve every time someone's come on. Yeah, yeah. And you just sit, you're going like, holy shit, that's cool. Yeah. Because you can so relate it to your own life or your own business or your own struggles or your own whatever. It's, it's really awesome. I hope other people are getting that too. Um, yeah, I hope so. I mean, that's I'm that's sure. at least that's the intention, I guess. That's the intention, and and um, I know I, I've been kind of a hog on the guest list because like no, all, it's, all it's these so people good. is like, I'm I'm they're they're I love them, I admire them, and they've been a big part of my curiosity, and and I am excited to have them there. I mean, and honestly, this here, is yeah. long term. This is a long term thing. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, we're, yeah, we're doing this. We're not doing this, you know, to make money, or we're not doing it you know for whatever silly reason it's long term and we want to share the people that are involved in in our community or that inspire us or yeah. just anybody you know if this that's got something cool to say or had a cool experience or just wants to sit down and chat yeah it's it's really cool i mean you know and yeah you've kind of taken the reins a little bit which is totally fine and and i, I really appreciate it because i don't really know a lot of people here and we're going to get some randoms on that, like, don't have anything to do with jiu-jitsu, but just are part of the family, you know? Yeah, yeah. And and what do you think your perfect happiness is? My perfect happiness? Yeah. yeah. Um, I know it's not such thing, but, you know, I'm going to make one up. You know. I got this stick here. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's It's not one thing, but I think, you know, when we look back, I, and I was just thinking about this the other day. You know, because, you know, I've been single for a long time, and but I love what I do. It's like I'm married to my work, and I love what I do, and I'm happy. But everybody's always like, when are you going to get a relationship? When are you going to meet people? And, and really, it's not about that. And so when I look back at my life from when I was a kid all the way till now, what is it about me that I think is consistent in who I am? And from as long, far back as I can remember, 
I've always thrived on helping other people. So I think happiness for me is knowing that when everything, when I get down and I'm human and I'm, I'm hurting or I'm depressed or, or I question myself or my self-confidence goes down, because we all have moments and bouts of that, no matter what we've done with our life. There's always those moments when we don't feel so good about ourselves, or, and I have to look back and remember what I've accomplished to make, you know, to realize that, you know, I'm not that bad of a person, you know. Um, I think looking back and knowing that I've helped people um, throughout life or, or at the end of my life, even if I'm alone, I can look back and say, I've helped pe change people's lives for the better. Kind of like what you guys do, right? I did something at some point in that person's life, that child's life, that they may grow up and never remember me, but something I did shifted their way of thinking and they're a totally different person than what they might have been mm. for the better. I like to think that that's my reward, that's my happiness, mm. that I've contributed in some way to humanity, even though it's in a small area. Like I said, I, I, and when I was younger, I used to think I had to go to the mainland to make a big, um, <laughs> a big difference and to impact people to, to make a difference. And it wasn't until I did that that I realized that you can be a big fish in a little pond and not a little fish in a big pond. So, you know, working in your own community, um, you can do a lot of big things. You know, I'm going to give you a little a different perspective because that's okay. what it, you know. When I saw everything half in the mainland and, and come back to this little rock you mentioned, um, somebody told me, you know, Judy, your work in the mainland's not done. Mm -hmm. you, know, you have a lot more. Lot. I'm, I'm going to donger dongerize your your yeah, your, your thing. Mm -hmm. I, I think what you really meant to say is another way you meant to say is um, touching lives. That's right? it. Yeah, that's it. I, I think I think that's. I can, uh, I can, that's our calling. <laughs> yeah. And it's not, we don't have to go anywhere to yeah, do it. That's my point. So yeah. that was, he goes, and I look at him and I go, you know what? I, number one, I owe Hawaii because it gave me everything, who I am today. Mm -hmm. um, number two, it's not about big or small. It's about just simply touching lives and we can touch one. <sighs> Even more so, affecting lives. Yeah, touch a lot yeah, of people, yeah, but yeah, yeah, you yeah, want to yeah. make sure they're affecting yeah, yeah, them, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's the first step. Mm -hmm. And second is the second part. Exactly, effectively touching so deep mm -hmm. that we watch their lives transform. Mm -hmm. Oh. And sometimes that's oh. a thankless, sometimes that's a thankless it job. Always like is. Parenting, it always because is. Because it doesn't happen until much later when they're out of your life, right? Yeah. You know, so you have to do it because it's who you are and, and the love of doing it. Yeah. And know that it's not about because of what you're going to see later. They're going to reward <laughs> you later because it ain't going to happen. It's like being a parent. <laughs> Parenting is the most thankless job. You know? you're not Among gonna, you being know. a teacher and <laughs> many other things. But yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. But well, do you think that by like touching someone's life here on this little rock, so, you know, big fish, little pond, touching somebody's life, they're going to take what they've learned and carry that on to a different place they're going to move maybe they move somewhere and they carry on that sort of mindset because you've changed their life not i mean that's that's a way but that's not quite what i was thinking it's more the mindset like for example when i work with the the kids and biz kids right we're shifting like i always say that let's imagine we're going a straight line we make we make a circle and at the bottom of the circle is where life starts and then we make a straight line up to the top which is the end of our life mm -hmm. right and on the right left side is the negative and the right side is positive so as we're children 
every impact that we have in our life that shifts our mindset, it's either going to shift for positive or it's going to shift for negative, mm. right? So if we have something traumatic happen to us when we're little, right, we're going to shift to the negative. In order for us to get back to the positive, we have to have two positive things overpower that to reshift us back to the positive side. If we only have one positive positive thing to, to shift it back, we just go back to center, mm. right? So the younger the kids are, which is why I like working with kids, the younger they are, the more that little tiny shift, when you, when you look at a line like this, that little shift ends up going like this because they have a long time for it to, to change direction. When you make that shift when you're older, that change is very minor because you don't have a whole lot. We've already used up a lot of our years, so we don't have a lot of years left to, to make that shift big, mm. right? So it's just degrees of how we shift that thinking. So when I work with kids, it's shifting their mindset to thinking of, you know, let, let's say, for example, cleaning. You know, when we do our survival camp, we teach the kids to clean. You know what the most exciting thing they fight for when, we, when, they're, when I pass out the jobs for cleaning? Vacuuming. Cleaning toilets. What? Would you ever think kids would fight and raise their hand, me, 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 when I say, who wants to clean toilets? It's because of how I taught them. How, you know, I'd make it a contest, like a game, you know, how long do you think it's going to take me to clean this toilet, right? And they're like, five minutes, 30 minutes, blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay, let's time it. We put the time, I get the scrub brush, and basically it times for like 45 seconds to a minute. Wow. And so when I showed them that, they were like, their jaws would drop. And I said, you usually spend 30 minutes arguing with your mom and dad. You could have been outside playing, you know, <laughs> and stuff like that. But when they actually see something now, every time they think of that, that's what they're going to think. A but shift in perspective, not, yeah, change your life. Cleaning's not that bad. It yeah. takes so fast. So I shift their thinking of how they looked at something. So now as they get older, they're always going to see that as something in a different way. Right? So sister. <laughs> You know, there's a there's a trend in America, right? Mm -hmm. And I see it, and, and I see it, just like you. There's an awakening movement that's happening. You know, um, I, I, it's the uh, headphone. Okay, how about now? Better? Yeah, you're just talking a little soft. No, no, no. It's my my thing was loud. Now it's because I took off my shirt and put on back my oh. shirt, so I think I'm losing some wire. Oh, copy that. Yeah, yeah. So. What happened is there's a movement, awakening moment, right? And all of a sudden, you know, there's a whole movement of being happy, mm -hmm. right? Because we realized that what the hell we were doing was didn't satisfy us, right? Mm -hmm. The Porsche, the big house, whatever. So the new awakening. So Juju couldn't come a better time than ever and yoga and all that. But what the... I can't hear myself for some reason. Hold on. Hold on. Technical difficulty. I can hear you. Hang on. <laughs> hang on. Hang on. Yeah. Try to touch that button. Is that better? No, oh, okay, okay. Okay. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> so my train of thought. Remind me, Big D. About the, the shift in um, Awakening. happiness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happiness. So, so, you know, happy. So everybody chasing happy, chasing happy. Kind of happy is the new, it's like the new, uh, the new deal. Uh, we have exercise. What is it, in the eighty? Big leggings, aerobic. Yeah. <laughs> so chasing happy is the new thing. And I just read somewhere, and I was reflecting back. You know, it's like happiness. Exactly, what you should say one of the key ingredients to happiness is got to serve something bigger than you are. Mm -hmm. And happiness. Let's just do the research recently. Happiness is a is a state of mind, mm -hmm. and the state of mind has. These, these things, and they had a little acronym called PERMA, 
Mm-hmm. You know? So P, this is what Brett trying to share with us since we launched his podcast, positive mental attitude. Mm-hmm. Somehow, somewhere, your attitude has got to be positive, you know, s- kind, mm-hmm. um, hopeful. Mm-hmm. You know? E, um, I think it was emotional. And I think p- what they're talking about emotional is um, feeling connected. Mm-hmm. You know, deep sense of connection emotionally. Another word was meaningful relationship. You know, relationship that that um, has meaning. You know, when you talk earlier, you know, the A, B, and mm-hmm. C, the A with love. Mm-hmm. They're talking about that. You right. Know? Mm-hmm. And um, I believe the last one was constant self growth and achievement. And that's why I love Jiu-Jitsu so much because it shows that you know when people don't have a goal mm-hmm. where they constantly work for, you know, they don't have, the, you know, a goal to constantly grow and mm-hmm. achieve things. They don't find themselves, the happiness level kind of deplete, you know, and I think that's really important that whatever we do, we got to include these things, mm-hmm. you know, be mindful of these things because this is a state of happiness. It might come and go, but remind yourself that, you know, touching lives, serving a greater purpose. Like, you mm-hmm. know, listen to Uncle George last week. You know, here's a man from down the coulee, like you. Mm-hmm. Um, spend four days off of his free time teaching people how to do stand-up paddle and pull Kai Bay for free mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. 10 freaking years. Wow. You know, and I tell you, when you hug him, woo, Uncle is happy, right? Mm-hmm. Right, Brad? I mean, you hug him, you can feel you're getting recharged. Right. You know, and man... We definitely are connected somewhere. Yeah. You know? Well, you know what they say, what happens when you stop growing? <laughs> you die. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So it's it's a process. And, and like you said, I don't think that happiness is a goal. It's just we're constantly, nothing, we, we never, nothing stays the same. No. It's trying to get to it and, and, you know, being happy that, oh, I hit it this time. I hit it that time because it's never going to be 24-7. There's yeah. too many things going on. There's, you know, we were designed to have emotions for a reason. You got love. You got hate. You got anger. You got to, How are we as humans supposed to grow unless we experience and understand these emotions? You cannot be happy when you're sad, right? You cannot be um, angry when you're happy. You know, you cannot, but you have to be able to experience these things as well in order to understand and to grow. So happiness is we're just trying to achieve that that standard or whatever as much as possible. And different things make us happy, you know. So trying to do things that make us feel good, you know. If you just sum it up to what makes me feel good. And this moment, this makes me feel good. The other day, that made me feel good. The other day, this made me feel good, right? That's happiness. You know, it, it's not one thing. In fact, when I was young, it was the only, I used to write poetry a lot. Ooh, and, uh, you got to come back. <laughs> and I wrote, come. This, I wrote this poem. It's the only poem that I wrote that was published. It's called, What is Love? And um, basically, it's, it explains that love really is the only emotion that you feel every emotion. You feel hate. Like when you when you love somebody so much, you hate what this does, right? Because of love, love is the only thing we can feel happiness, sadness, hate, anger, frustration. With love, we experience all those feelings, right? But when you're happy, just that one emotion, you cannot experience those other things, mm. right? When you're angry or sad, you cannot experience certain emotions. But love is the only one that really is every emotion you feel. Mm. 
you know? Yeah, agree. So. That's the only thing that can move us. That's the only thing yeah. that can heal That's us. That's why it's the most yeah, powerful. Yeah, 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 I agree. You know? Um, may I share my perspective? Sure. Um, so, for a while there, in my despair, I was, same thing, I was kind of figure out, how do I derive a state of happiness? And for sure, just like you and I, I realized, hey, the more I serve others, the more happy I become. And my rule of thumb is really simple in life. It really is. Mm-hmm. Um, I ask myself a couple of simple questions when shit hits the fan. Number one, can I do anything about them? And the answer is no, then fuck it. <laughs> I put it in the <laughs> fucking box. <laughs> B, I go, how does it matter? Three hours a day, three days from today, three weeks from today, three months a day, three years. And it didn't hit that. I go, I put it also in the fucking box. And that's kind of, kind of. I like it. Yeah, that's kind of how I roll with life. And then suddenly, when I kind of simplify my mind thought, the state of happiness become more and more and more and more. Mm. So when I get lost in life, I do two things. I get in my Volkswagen van, and I would drive, have my surfboard, and listen to music. So I get lost. Mm-hmm. Right? Through getting lost, there's a lot of introspection, a lot of reflection in the beginning. I get more unlost, and clarity becomes to arrive. Mm-hmm. Um, second, I do volunteer work. Mm-hmm. I go serve others. So for those out there sitting there feeling confused and don't know what the fuck you're doing, I don't care. People, I hear people all the time, I don't have the money to travel. Screw you. Get on the, get on the bus. Hitch. I do something. I don't care. Get out of whatever you are. Mm-hmm. You, know, you do that. And you're trying to do some volunteer work. Go do something. Be of service. Yeah, Absolutely. I don't care. Whatever. You, know, you mm-hmm. figure that shit out of the blue. The happiness level starts to increase unconsciously and we eventually become consciously. And... What I witness right now is like men, for some darn reason, you know, we program them but don't feel things, you know, like they don't want to feel things, no. <laughs> you know, so they, they, they can be vulnerable or whatever, you know, and that's what we're raising these men. Mm-hmm. And then you realize, well, well, no wonder they're fucking retards, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and for me, Having to experience every emotion, anger, sad, jealousy, fear, afraid, weak, strength, love, broken heart, all that. All it is for me now, it teach me to become more compassionate because mm-hmm. I've experienced all these emotions. So when I'm sitting here, listen to whoever, I go, I get it. Mm-hmm. I feel you. You know, I think... Yes, everything you say. It's yeah, but I agree with you. Uh, when I'm depressed, and I've, I've learned this in the past, and it's always, no matter how many times, um, it always works. And if you haven't tried it, you should try it just to prove, you know, Dewey and I right. But when you're feeling down and depressed and lonely, go do something for someone else because that's what's going to get you out of it. Yeah. Not worrying and just, you know, soaking in your own depression and, and pity and all of that. But when you go out and do something for someone else, something substantial, like helping people, you find that you feel good about yourself doing that. And it brings you out of that. So, you know, being of service, it's really, it, it's good for your soul. Mm-hmm. I'm starting a new kids camp um, that I'm working on called Community Camp. And it's where every day they go and do something in the community for others, like visiting, you know, like we could clean a park or we could go to an old folks home and work with the people there. We can go visit kids in the hospital. But they learn that in order to feed your soul, you have to do something that has nothing to do with you. Mm. It has to do for doing for others. And so that's one of the newer camps I'm doing to teach kids to understand what it feels like to feed your soul. Mm. Because we spend so much time on everything else, yeah? 
mind oh and body. God. But the soul is always neglected. Yeah. Well, most of us don't even real. Most of us don't even work on our soul until like you it's know. too late. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or sometimes I don't even. Some, most of some of us I know they don't even have a soul. You know, mm. I'm serious. Like n- no joke. You know, mm. and wow, for you to bring that concept on for these young Jujitero, God bless you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've done a lot of questioning and, and, and uh, interviewing. Um, your turn, if you want. Um, what time is it? Right? Is it time to wrap it up? I know it's late. And uh, we've been chitty-chatting way before we get on the mic. So normally, D, every night we kind of end up on the night with uh, me asking a couple questions okay. to you. And the rules are uh, you cannot ask the same exact question back to me. you got to use other questions. Okay. And you're welcome to ask any question where there's no limits to both Red and I. Okay. And... Um, so there you go. So you have an option tonight, uh, young lady, that you can go first. I can go first. And, uh, okay. Sky's the limit. I'm an open book. Okay. Um, so so is Brett. I ask the first question? Oh, oh, oh I can. Or what you, I, yeah, who's yeah, what going I, first? You can, you can. Guess, of course, always goes first. Okay. But in the past, a lot of them get tongue-tied, so they ask me to go first. So Okay. You don't want me to go first, trust me. I might make you cry. (laughs) Well, here's something that I've always been fascinated about you. Um, Like I said, you know, I've been single for a long time. And, you know, I have my views on relationships. I've had things happen, right? Trust issues. But whenever I talk to you, I admire your relationship with Jen. And, And when I say that, it's I understand very clearly it's not perfect. You've made that very clear. And I love your realistic viewpoints that you've been married how long now uh, or together how long well i've been married 30 years and um well i married her like freaking less than six months after her first date so yeah 30 years so but there is true love yeah, right? yeah, well, love at first sight yeah i i don't recommend it people please <laughs> don't do it uh january 6th and the january 15th will be our 31st year congratulations yeah. but my question is that you know, because we've talked in the past and, and yeah. you guys have your struggles like everybody else. I mean, you're no different than everybody else with your issues and stuff, but you still I make it more. work. I have more. <laughs> but, but you make it work and you have so much respect for each other. Um, even though you have those challenges, you never lose the respect for each other. And what is it that you can give people... Um, because there's so many people that are in marriages that shouldn't be or people are in marriages and they're just living their days out like there's no passion there's no love there's no respect they're just waiting it through you know i know a lot of people in this kind of situation so how do you keep it where you guys keep the communication going and you make it work all these years jen's gonna kick my ass when i get home i can know this about my <laughs> wife i mean james he's sitting here kiko knows what about this i know she's gonna kill me and my, my kid's gonna laugh because he's a fucking that's typical dad and people who know me go, oh, fuck yeah, that's something dude would say. Um, we have an amazing sex life. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, and, and for you guys out there, you think you're going to be going the long distance with your wife or husband and have this phenomenal physical um, compatibility, whatever you want. You're out of your fucking mind. There's no way. You know, and I tell you, Jennifer, parents are the living proof, because I remember vividly. He's ninety-five. They're both still married, and they're still alive. Mm-hmm. Um, he was eighty-two, right? Mm-hmm. And here's the guy, 
him and his wife, you know, Jen parents, every year, no matter where we live, we move a lot mm-hmm. for my career. They will come out with us, live with us for a whole month. As long as I can remember until they couldn't do anymore at age 91, so which is wow. four years ago. Okay? Mm-hmm. And together, they're like doves. Right? Wow. And I asked Dad, and I'm super straight up, you know, like, every go, Dad, what's up? He goes, <laughs> he goes, a quote, the blue pills work, son. <laughs> <laughs> and here's what he said. I promise you, I swear <laughs> on the, he goes, um, at my age, if you get wood, you don't waste it whether she's ready or not. <laughs> But, you know, I think about that because, you know, when when you are in a relationship, a lot can go bad. But maybe if you don't have that intimacy, that no, strong, that's everything. That's everything. Then this is, it, you're going to give up. No, 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 not only that, but that's what heals us, right? I mean, I'm mm. saying that, you know, now, you know, 30 years later, we didn't have sex, you know, like any relationship. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. We're not having sex like we were in our 20s, you know. Right, right. I can tell you. The connection just as deep, if not deeper. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. The healing, whoo, it's amazing. Yeah. The cuddling afterward heals everything. And then the next day is like a new beginning. You know, it's like, yeah, the makeup sex is great and mm-hmm. all that, but it's not really the makeup sex. It's the tenderness. It's that forgiveness. It's that thing that you do after you so piss off. It is someone. healing, I guess. You and, I, and I tell you, the biggest thing I can share with you, what I have to do in this three years of counseling and I, I'm beginning to apply this now toward many things in my life um, is called acceptance mm-hmm. and for the longest time I had a lens like why couldn't she do this because it's what makes me happy mm-hmm. right? and I do this for her because she asked but why couldn't she do so it's always like you know you hear how many of you heard this Pick your battles from exactly. from from grandparents, right, or mm-hmm, whatever. Mm-hmm. And what they meant is, listen. Do you really want any battle in your marriage? Mm-hmm. Right. So, but if, if if you're gonna if you're gonna decide to do one, make sure it really really matters. Yeah. Not over some stupid ass shit, like unlock the door. You know all that shit. You know mm-hmm. whatever. You know a lot of time you look back and go, why are we fighting over? Right? Mm-hmm. So. You just raised the stock of Viagra. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but accepting meaning that, you know, it is what it is. It's who she is at the moment mm-hmm. in time. And your own responsibility is continue to grow within. Mm-hmm. Right? Which is become more self-actualized. Because if we become self-actualized human, the word love, you say, is so powerful. We resides in everything that you do. So therefore... Nothing in the world can move you, right? Well, I like a lot of people admire the two of you, so I appreciate yeah, you it's sharing it's that. Yeah, but it's it's not hard. But I think accepting is a big thing, and I think you know, have a great passionate life. A life, you know, like yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, honey. I love you. But <laughs> I know you hate me. Sorry talking. for asking, Jen. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. All right. Um, my first question. Okay. What is your absolute truth? Your absolute truth. That I'm not perfect and it's okay. All right. Your last question, my love. (laughs) 
Uh oh. <laughs> he has to pause. I'm getting nervous. No, your last question. Oh, my, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. My last it's question. It's one to one. Oh, so. okay, okay. Um, let's see. Um, you could look at Brett too. Your, you know, you're gonna ask him too. You know. Oh, really? <laughs> well, I yeah. just met. I mean, okay, okay, okay that's know, fine. So, that's okay, okay. Okay. So, how about um, how? I'm I'm trying to figure out how to word this. It's okay. Shoot straight. It's good. Um, it's X-rated show, so you're good. Everything goes. In you give so much of yourself to everybody, in business, in personal life, in jujitsu, you give so much of yourself. How do you replenish yourself? Mm. Um, I grew up at the ocean. That's my first, the place I've known, place that saves me was, was the ocean. Um, and at 16, license a car, learn how to surf. I was escaped my darkness. So the ocean, to me, was number one. Um, two, I think God lives in the mountain. I think God lives in the ocean. I think God lives... Uh, in snow, nature. I think that's where God lives. And um, I need, I need donger time. Donger time is like in the ocean, hiking, get, like, getting lost, sit there doing nothing, mm -hmm. um, cook for my family. Um, oh, when I get to see my sons, I get to hug them. I mean, I, I sleep in their bed. <laughs> I, we <laughs> cuddle together, you know. So, um, yeah, I think, I think, but realistically, I, I, I go to the sea. That's my number one. Nice. And, and Jen's amazing. Yeah. My last question to you. The purpose of human existence why we exist in this stupid earth. It's flat. I think to learn and create, to develop and, you know, explore. I mean, I think being, cre you know, create, you know, learn and create okay. is key. You know, it's just there's so much out there and we'll never learn it all. Mm. You know, you could spend a whole lifetime trying to learn everything. You're never going to learn it all. Okay. Um, I'm going to lie. I lie, and I'll, I actually have one more question. <laughs> 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 and we're going to close the, the, the night with this. Um, you're one of those volunteer astronauts on, you know, Elon Musk's new project. They're going to strap you up, put you in space. God knows where. I don't know. But like 10 years space time, but it would be like 3,000 years on Earth. Mm -hmm. Tonight's your last night with your two daughters. What would you like to share with them? And you're not going to see them. Mm. You're going to come back in 10 years. You're still going to be the same, 10 years older, kind of. They'll still oh. be here no, 10 years? No, they're no, no. They're yeah. going to say 3,000. Yeah, it's okay. 3,000 So years I'm, I'm leaving forever. Yeah, I don't pretty know, much. Yeah, yeah. 
I think I would spend that entire time. What would you like to teach or share with them? What are some of your last words? I think I would share with them what I see in them, how I see them. And that would, those words and are? That they can do anything they want to do, that they're so powerful that they can become whatever they become and they're only limited by their own imagination. Okay. And that what everybody else says they can or cannot do has no bearing on what they're capable of doing. Um, and that they came into this world not by accident because I wanted them before they even existed and I loved them before they even existed and that I was determined to have them in my life and that that will always be the case no matter what, no matter how hard, no matter the struggles, no matter you know what we all go through, they're here because I wanted them, you know. Okay. Um, same thing, but this time you're standing in Washington, D.C., and you're addressing the whole nation, and you're about to leave forever. This is your last advice, last thought for our country before you, you know. And this is going to be shared through CNN, so the whole world is going to see it. So really, what's your message for mankind? Oh Let boy, it. you don't mess around, do you, Dewey? <laughs> uh-huh. I warned you ahead of time. <laughs> no, Come on, not, girl. Not like this. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. I think that, I mean, with this kind of impromptu thing, I don't have a lot of time to think about it. Yeah, but That's what I want. That's what I want. I straight think from the it gut. would be that to remind them that we all come from the same place. We're all human. We all have feelings. We all have fears. We all have challenges and history and, I mean, we all go through the same issues and we're all in this together. And until we can learn to work together, we will always be divided. And that the only way we will survive is learning to work together and to love one another and appreciate one another and, and we can do that by communicating and, and talking. Like I said, you know, I didn't talk to my dad for how long, but when we don't communicate and talk, we don't know what yeah. the other person is going through or what they're feeling or, you know, what they're thinking. All we do is assume. We have this habit of assuming everything. We yeah. think we know everything. <laughs> and um, just talking and getting to know one another and, and loving each other. I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, it, it seems so... You know, simple. Yeah, it seems I so know, simple, but but that's the whole point. We've made everything so complicated that, you know, back uh, in the olden days, it was a cave, and, you know, women stayed and took care of the kids while the men would go out hunting and bring food. That's all that mattered. And it always commuted, too. Yeah, we travel as a group, yeah, as a clan. It's a we clan. need each other, yeah. And and we survive that way. I know. We're, I'm bringing the clan back, baby. Yeah, we're it's a, bringing the, the clan, clan of the cave bear. Those, what is it? <laughs> I don't know. That was so beautiful. Um, I cannot, and I know you this, and I, I, I know you you feel this, and I share and tell you this, that I appreciate our friendship so much. Like I said, you're my soul sister. Oh, I feel and the same way. Yeah, and, and um, I know you went to Peru recently, mm-hmm. and you're going through stem cell um, mm-hmm. treatment. Mm-hmm. So um, I can't wait to have you over for dinner. I want you to share all that with me. 
I think that's actually, um, I was just thinking, because, you know, we've had so much good stuff to talk about that that's a whole entire yeah, podcast. So you got to come back time. for that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was going to say, like, that's, that's one thing insane. I was going to say. Like, yeah. you have to come back, because that's one thing we were hoping to talk to her about tonight, yeah, but there was so I much other good stuff. <laughs> I'm telling you, she's her, 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 her slice in live, I mean, I see live as an onion. Your onion is the size of freaking, I don't know, a pumpkin, you know. <laughs> So, so you got to come back so for many sure. Layers, uh, but yeah. I would love to. It, that that is heart, a yeah. big uh, conversation. Yeah, yeah. A lot of um, work on look that. Look at this. We're like buys. We got two Nana Coolies this week. Yeah, That's cool. I, mean, I know. It's crazy ooh, too. I'm good drawers. Roots. And I know. <laughs> I mean, it's I'm cool. Biased. And we got I'm a, biased, and yeah. a North Shore boy to split it up. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Uh, um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for around my heart. And um coming and sharing uh, and thank you it, it was it's, it's, it's awesome. my it's honor amazing. and i absolutely love being here and i appreciate you having me and and just you know keep doing what you're doing because yeah. you know this whole thing this brand of bringing people together together living aloha and mindful living yeah, yeah. it all represents what you're doing i mean yeah. you know and and it's working it's really working. Sometimes it may not seem like it, but it is working. Yeah, see, love is powerful. It's infectious. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm doing. I'm selling that program, man. That's what I'm doing. No and hate, it's just love. That's what I'm doing. We're all buying it, <laughs> and I absolutely love <laughs> you to death. I love and fucking things free, too, so I'm all in. It's fit my budget, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Brett, like, take us out with the usual. Um, I love you. <laughs> Always. You're you're in that class A would love, dude. <laughs> always, well, always. I want to remind you of that <laughs> every fucking Wednesday, until we do this daily. Every Wednesday, I want to remind you. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming in, Danin. It was amazing. Like your story is incredible. Thank you. Like thank really you. inspiring. Like truly inspiring. Um, and uh, yes, folks. Thank you very much for listening. Um, we're up to almost sixteen hundred listeners in the first month that we've had. The, the, the show going bunch of is, fools <laughs> which is really really <laughs> awesome uh i do ask as i ask at the end of every podcast um please go onto itunes uh listen to us on itunes leave us a review give us uh give us the old five stars i mean give us as many stars as you like but five stars would be nice uh, and leave us a review you know we have three reviews on there now three yeah, one might be mine. Yeah, that's all two. <laughs> you lie. <laughs> so we have two reviews. I almost wrote a review and I couldn't do it because no, I, I wouldn't. I, yeah. I just wanted to kickstart it. I, I know, to, I, I know, to, like, I know. I love you. I love you for it. I trust me. I mean, it wasn't. It's cheesy. important to get feedback so you know how to make the show better. You know. So yeah, yeah, I, I mean, we're serving you guys, so yeah, that's that's. But the I mean, whole just idea, uh, but and I want to see if I can find it here. Give me one second. I, um, yeah, I want to thank two one of the most amazing. I don't even call them customer anymore. They're like family. Aaron Barr, um, he was a customer of ours since 2009. Mm -hmm. Black Belt for Virginia Beach. Um, a husband and a father, two beautiful daughters. One day you're going to come here and do this podcast and you're going to stay with me as we discussed. And I want to give a shout out to the latest uh, review that we got. Written, written review. No, Dab Pro 223. Ooh. I don't know who that is. but Read it um, out loud, baby. Let's hear it. This is a this is truly a remarkable podcast, but some of the most awesome people on the planet. Authentic, relatable, the best topics: jujitsu, yoga, Hawaii surfing, and float. Because wow. we had the float episode with uh, Jeff Sato. Sato. Yeah, our yoga. Nice. But anyway, folks. Um. So yes, iTunes. Leave us some reviews. Give us some feedback. Um. And we will be back next week. Wait, one more thing. For those who hate us, I don't want 
you guys don't have a place to to air your anger or resentment, whatever that is. My email is dewey, D-E-W-E-Y, dot D-O-A-N, at com. My cell phone number is 949-922-7873. You are free to text me, F off, whatever you want. But constructive <laughs> anger is good because that way I can take it, absorb it, and, and, and um, hopefully... I know I cannot please anybody, but I want to make sure that everybody has an option to vent, just in case. I don't think there's a this is an angry uh, yeah. angry show. No, no, but, but I, I offend a lot of people. I you know I you know me. I'm, I can't I'm see not anybody hey, not liking hey, you, Dewey. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right, folks. Thank you very much for listening. Good, Good night, night, and see you Good next night. week. Much love. Bye. Aloha. <laughs>